Come in. Hello, Mr. Zemeckis. Uh, uh, uh. I think we found a script here that's going to be perfect. It's going to make you a zillion dollars, maybe even get you some Academy Awards. Yeah, let me tell you something. I already got a gazillion dollars. Maybe you've heard of it, a little trilogy I made called Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this time around, Hollywood's going to take it's going to take you seriously as a real director. <gasps> it's one of them drama things. But Credibility. Can put special, yeah, and special effects in it and stuff, too. Uh, you mean, okay, okay, let me get this straight. I can do all the special effects crap that I love. Yeah. But they'll still give me Oscars for Right. Oh, 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 Spielberg, watch out. Here I come. What, what is it? Tell me the script. What's the script? Okay. A, a mentally damaged man I love it. meets all the famous pers- people in the world. Oh, Nothing yeah. ever changes about it. Okay, yeah. A bunch of people die. Yeah. And he's exactly the same at the end as he was at the beginning. I love it. Sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, this movie has a good reputation, right, Steve? It does. It's, uh, I would say, probably one of the more beloved films of its era, by at least by a, a large portion of the uh, of the the audience. So well loved that it even got a restaurant chain. It did. You didn't see The Godfather open up a bunch of Italian restaurants across the country where every night someone gets shot in the throat. <laughs> I mean, somebody could have at least taken the name to start an olive oil company. You would think. Nope, nope, Some only this movie. Only this movie, this corporate fucking pile of goddamn happiness and puppy kisses <laughs> that is forced down our throat. And they say, you like it, you like this, this syrupy nostalgia of this film, this false history that we're forcing you to accept. Only this movie got a <laughs> mm-hmm. bunch of fucking restaurants. Yep. I'm you're, done. You're, you don't. I don't want to... This is... I don't want to even say the name. I would you like me to say it for you? No. You Can we get a third person to come in? We can take I don't our headphones end. off. We'll take a call. Caller, would you like to say the, <laughs> the title of the film? What movie is it, Steve? We are going to review the 1994 Best Picture winner and blockbuster. Man, Forrest Gump. I was gonna say, I bet you thought it was Pulp Fiction that came out in '94. It did. Nope. Well, how about Didn't. Shawshank Redemption? That's a Didn't. good movie, and that came out in the nope. same year. N- nope. Hey, maybe Did. The Mask. Nope. The Mask is dated oh, well. badly. And it, but, I mean, that came out in 1994, right, Steve? Didn't win Best Picture. No. This did. Forrest Gumbada. It was Forrest Gump. Okay, I'm putting a moratorium on Forrest Gump. What? I don't care. I how don't, am I supposed I to get through to... the show? <laughs> We make it. We come up with different, different things. Just like when we don't do Schwarzenegger, we do Werner Herzog from here on out for, for Listen to Schwarzenegger. Me. You're taking away my best pitch, Coach. How am I supposed to Remember strike him out if I can't throw the heat? I propose to you that I would kill you last. <laughs> okay, Herzog, Herzog for Schwarzenegger is pretty good. That was false. <laughs> <laughs> She comes up, and what happened to, uh, what was his name, Stucky? What happened to Stucky? Oh, I threw him off a cliff (laughs) to his inevitable demise. (laughs) A fitting justice to one who treats life so callously. (laughs) Then he 
pushes the Porsche over. Get in! (laughs) 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 My reckless abandon of public safety has not ended. My bloodlust is not satiated. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Mm. Not, Not in this movie, however. I'm staying right here. Me and Werner. You and Commando. Just, you're just Fuck gonna Forrest do, Gump. You're gonna, you're gonna do Commando it. starring Werner Herzog for the rest I'm of gonna, the show. I'm gonna do Werner Herzog starring in everything. True Lies starring Werner Herzog. I want him in everything. Jerry Maguire. You had me at the beginning of your overly long monologue filled with trite, <laughs> trite phrasings and anachronisms that do not apply to real life. I mean, I guess I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Show me the monetary currency which we previously discussed. <laughs> if you wish to complete our bargain. <laughs> No, we're doing Forrest Gump, Steve. Yes. We're doing Forrest Gump. Please yes. give me some trivia about Forrest Gump. Would you oh, like... I, I know I that you the love... The darkest, most horrible trivia ever. Please. Actually, I, I do. So I, I, I didn't do this on purpose, but there are some somewhat dark bits of trivia here, so you're welcome, buddy. Yay! Um, okay, so during the Vietnam scenes, you can you can catch uh, Gary Sinise, Lieutenant Dan, wearing mm-hmm. a St. Christopher's medal. Right. Um, and it turns out that that medal has real-life significance because Gary Sinise's real-life brother-in-law actually wore that same medal when he really served in Vietnam. That's not dark. And Gary Sinise said, can I wear this in the movie? That's sweet. That's a sweet thing. And his brother-in-law said, sure, as long as it's, you know, like a good Vietnam movie. And Gary's like, just give me the medal. Um, (laughs) As long as it's a good Vietnam Vietnam movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, so then there's the scene where Jenny is singing in the nightclub, right? And she got and, hit by a brick. Yeah, and, and it she's was funny, na- and everyone laughed she, at her. She's naked playing the guitar, right? Oh, that's right. That scene. And, and Forrest is like, her dream came true. Um, she's singing. <laughs> um, that scene took nearly 24 hours of consecutive filming to complete. And Why that scene? I have no clue. It's not that long of a scene. It's not that complex of a scene. But it took 24 hours of straight Let filming. Let me rephrase to the question. Why is the scene where the main actress is naked take that long to shoot, Steve? I don't know what you're getting at, but I don't think I I'm like it. I'm getting at the fact that Zemeckis is a bit, was being pervy. And the longer he can keep her <laughs> on stage, either in a, a nude bikini or naked, I don't know hey. what the commitment was. You watch your mouth, buddy. You're talking about me. Academy Award winner Robert Zemeckis over here. <laughs> you shut your fucking mouth. Put some respect on my name. I wanted this scene in Back to the Future and it didn't happen. It's happening here. (laughs) Battle of the Bands was supposed to be completely nude. (laughs) The studio wouldn't let me do it. (laughs) Anyway, also, not only did it take 24 hours. nude. Marty, (laughs) nude. Doc Brown, nude. Everybody, nude. Can we talk you out of this, Bob? (laughs) (laughs) The original title was Bear Back to the Future. (laughs) Oh, my God. One day my true vision will be realized. He did it in Beowulf. <laughs> oh shit, yes! Beowulf, the movie with the amazing scene where the hero pops out of the eyeball of a monster and screams mm-hmm. his own name in triumph. Where the main fight between Beowulf and Grendel is a long hide the pickle scene. Yes. They're like, let's do the Austin Powers opening credits for this pivotal <laughs> action sequence in our movie. <laughs> 
Anyway, so that's all the trivia you got. Uh, I got I, what, what, dark. There was no. I haven't gotten to the the the, the um during that scene, the twenty four hour. Oh yeah. Scene. Okay. During um, that scene, yes. Ro- Robin Wright was actually really sick when they were filming that. She had a, a really bad cold, but she still managed to not only film all of her stuff in that scene, but mm-hmm. she did she did her own singing on the set. So that is quite a a, a gutsy performance. Uh, from Robin Wright. And one more thing. And this it's is an this. inspiring story about how she takes <laughs> her job seriously. Okay, the fact so maybe it's not. What the fuck? It's not dark. The other one was happy, a, happy okay. family, blending jewelry. <laughs> that's important. This one is Robin okay. White's great. Okay. You, you know what? When you put it that way, it doesn't sound that dark. Okay, I give, I'll give you that one. The point you of the made the first are... part dark, and then you ruined it with her old. She's got a can-do okay. attitude. She's great. Um, okay, last one. Uh, so there are all these encounters between Forrest Gump and historical figures, but mm. so they wanted to do even more, and they were cut from the film for one reason or another. And one of them that I think Thank was probably God. cut at the script stage, because uh, I don't think they shot any of this. But there was an idea. Not. There was an idea for Forrest to have encountered Martin Luther King, and the scene would have been that. Dr. King and some of his supporters were being menaced by police dogs and then Forrest would show up and would would uh, unwittingly rescue Dr. King by uh, playing fetch with the dogs and distracting them, allowing Dr. King and his supporters to escape. I think um, I would have vomited blood in the <laughs> movie theater. Thankfully, that scene is not in the movie. I was but... like a jack-in-a-box while watching this in a movie theater. I kept getting up and my girlfriend at the time said, sit down and watch the movie. And I was like, eh, I don't want to. No. I was like, do we gotta? Do we gotta? <laughs> What's the worst that's going to happen if we don't? I'm I just will asking. fucking end this new relationship right here and right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's time you and me set some boundaries, okay? <laughs> Great, that was that was sad. That's not dark. That's Look, just, I'm surprised they didn't do it. I'm surprised, why didn't you do it? You get, I know, you why didn't count, they? You chicken out Zemeckis, you're like, oh, maybe this is going too far. <laughs> Do we really want to have Martin Luther King in here? Uh, I don't know. It could have been worse. It could have been Forrest was across the street from a motel and fucking around with a rifle. Oh this God. is like the one I had in Vietnam. Blam! <laughs> or like he, he calls Malcolm X outside, you know. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. X. <laughs> Mr. X. Okay, is that, that all of it? That's is it. That, that's, that's it. I'm, that's that's it. all that's... of it. That's all of it. No, okay, thanks for the not darks. Really? <laughs> I Two uplifting stories and a, and a who we dodged a bullet. That's good. I'm glad I, I, they didn't do it. I'm glad they did do it. I'm so glad. Me too. Jesus Christ. Course, really, you, honest to God, course, if that scene you, had made it in the movie, what? I was going to say, you wish they hadn't done any of it. So, I mean. No, I wish they would have just given up. I wish they would have walked away. First day of shooting, and he went, I'm going to talk like this for the whole movie. And then they just, no, fuck it. And everyone just dropped whatever they were oh. doing, kicked, kicked the multi-million dollar camera over just left <laughs> that's another thing that's uh, speaking of trivia not dark unfortunately but uh, you probably know this already uh the accent was something that zemeckis insisted on yeah um tom uh, hanks they, didn't want to do it they were yeah he didn't want to do it or he didn't want he, it to be that pronounced yeah. yeah and then he listened to the kid who was playing him and he just yeah. decided to imitate the kid blah 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 way to really work hard tom <laughs> Is he going to share the Oscar with the kid? I don't think he did. I don't think. I don't fucking. Can, can I just do who made it, please? Yes, please, please. Let's get this. Let's end this nightmare. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis, and you know him. He's directed <laughs> things like Back to the Futures movies, 
and Romancing the Stone. And um, I just wrote the word Roger. I think I was really, really angry. Oh, Roger Rabbit. That's what it is. Oh, that <laughs> I Roger Rabbit. Right. I was like, a movie <laughs> called Roger, apparently. And Roger Rabbit. Do you know he wasn't the first selection to direct this movie? He wasn't. Who who else was in the running? Well, they wanted it. They offered it to Barry Sonnenfeld, and in fact, he was almost signed to do it. But then he decided to make the Adams Family movie, and he left. Then some crazy person decided, "Hey, let's <laughs> offer it to Terry Gilliam." Oh wow, Terry Gilliam. <laughs> some now, crazy as most person. people who listen to the show know. Terry Gilliam, turns out, is my favorite director because I've liked every single thing that he's made. And um, I can't picture him even wanting to yeah. do this movie because he did script. turn it down. Not, yeah. no, no, not this script. It's produced by Wendy Feinerman. And her. you know what movie her premier producer movie was before no. what Forrest was it? Gump? It? it was that incredible horse comedy, Hot to Trot. <gasps> oh, that classic. Bob Bobcat Goldthwait and, and John John Candy is the voice of the horse. Wow. That's she a also classic. produced she's produced like twelve films, and the only other really notable one is The Devil Wears Prada. Also produced by Steve Tisch, who also produced Hot to Trot. But he's gone on to other things. He produced Snatch. And uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, I think. Hmm. And he's uh, he's currently a producer on a little film that uh, we're going to lose, Steve, if this actually comes to fruition. COVID Uh-oh. has put a, a kibosh on a lot of upcoming movies. Uh-huh. But if this movie ever does come out, I'll probably need a temporary host because <laughs> Steve will need oh, time boy. to recover because he's producing the Masters of the Universe movie. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going with that. That is supposed just... to come out next year Supposedly. hopefully this delay will make it never and <laughs> we'll be fine i hope it's one of those things where everybody just kind of looks around at each other in the room and goes do we really want to do this mm-hmm. also produced by steve starkey and he just basically produces zemeckis films screenplay by eric roth and he's uh, he's done a lot of scripts like the latest star is born and munich mm. And the reverse Forrest Gump, Benjamin Button. <laughs> uh, the reverse, uh, the original, the working title of the piece, I believe. The reverse, <laughs> reverse Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. <laughs> <sighs> Based on Forrest Gump by Winston Groom. And uh, this this movie is not like that book at all. No, it's very different. Because at the end of that book, Forrest Gump is like a homeless dude. And he he's a, he's in like a street band with Lieutenant Dan and an orangutan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There's a monkey in the book. There's a monkey, astronaut monkey. Because an astronaut he becomes, monkey. He becomes an astronaut yes, he in, does. in the book. I, got, I think I might actually like this movie if it turned out that there was he became an astronaut. <sighs> Starring mm-hmm. Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump. Um, well, kind of co-starring as Forrest Gump because his younger brother, Jim, um, was his acting double. Did you know you could have an acting double? Sure. When you don't feel like doing stuff in distance shot, get your brother to stand in. And in <laughs> he this looks case, like me. It was when Forrest, for no reason... I mean, I know they give you a reason in the movie. Just starts to run back and forth across the country. Remember that scene that went yeah. on forever? And he's yeah. just running because he feels like running. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that I'm scene late in the movie it. where nothing happens. This is, this is not going to finish for me. This is death. This is death for me. <laughs> you do know that, right? I can feel my life energies flowing straight out of my body the more I talk about this film. 
This is the fate that you have chosen, my friend. Hey, Steve. Yeah, buddy. Tom Hanks was not the first person to maybe get offered this part. He wasn't. You want to know other people who who were offered or turned down this fucking thing? (laughs) I I would love to know who else was offered and turned down this fucking thing. Oh, this is John Travolta. Oh, I think I know. I knew that. Yeah, and he, didn't he later say he regretted it? Of course he like, did. I mean, after it made all the money and won all the Oscars, he, he was, was like, already ah, in. I should have done called, that. He was in Pulp Fiction for that year. He didn't. He doesn't. Didn't need to be in anything else after that ever again. Right, he, yeah, in, he pa- in fact, I would have preferred it. He could have just <laughs> <No>. retired. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. No, not just John Travolta. Bill Murray. Oh my God, that would have been because they didn't know if this was a drama or a comedy yet, and I don't think they ever made up their minds. <laughs> no, I don't think they did either. This one, this one, I, you know what? I don't think there would be a way for me to hate this movie more. But if this guy had gotten cast, there was a way for me to hate the movie more. Oh, boy. Chevy Chase. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, how would that... Were they trying to make a bad movie? I don't know. Were, were, was, was there a point where they were like, we just need to cut our losses with this? Yeah, and the last one, Sean Penn says that he was second in line for Tom Hanks. And, I've heard he, him say that. Yeah, and didn't yeah. he play like a mentally challenged person in some other movie? He did. He did yeah. in a movie that I might be talking about later. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the author, do you know who the yeah. author envisioned? Because in the book, Force is six foot six yeah. and heavily built, right? And I might actually like this movie had this person been cast. John Goodman. Yeah. That's who the author wanted. I I think he, if the movie had been more like the book, I think he would have been a much better choice than Tom Hanks. I want John Goodman to play uh, the lead character in uh, Confederacy of Dunces. That's that's who I want. And if not him, then um, Zach Galifianakis. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I love that book. They're never going to make it. There's no money in things with people just walking around anymore. (laughs) They've got to have superpowers, and they have to have lightning bolts that come out of their ass, and they've got to shoot things. And it has, to ha- it has to have franchise potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to see the I franchise mean, potential in a confederacy of dunces. <laughs> the confederacy of dunces cinematic universe. <laughs> okay, fine. That's one person out of the way. Yeah. Michael Connor Humphreys is young Forrest Gump. Nothing. Good for you. Got <laughs> Way to out. disappear, kid. <laughs> Is that the only thing that you can use to pick up on girls? That was the young dumbass in Forrest Gump. <laughs> it's like the guy who played Clark Kent right before Christopher Reeve showed up in Superman. <laughs> <laughs> like, he gets nothing. Robin Wright as Jenny Curran. Curran? Curran, I don't I think. care. <laughs> At least she got a name. Did, yeah. And and you know her. She's from Prince's Bride and mm-hmm. uh, that show that Kevin Spacey was in that he was immediately written out of. <laughs> Where they what literally... Is House of Cards. House of Cards. They killed his ass off, off camera for mm-hmm. the last season. Like, nope, you're gone. I was like, yeah, he got attacked by jackals, fell off a cliff and landed on a hydrogen balloon. That exploded. <laughs> his burning corpse fell into the ocean and he got devoured by a shark while alive. He's never coming back. <laughs> Damnedest thing I ever saw. Anyway. <laughs> Hannah R. Hall is young Jenny Kerr. Nothing. Gary Sinise is Lieutenant Dan Taylor. Hey, Steve. Yeah. You guys know who Jen- You know who he is. Stop it. He's great. Um, guess who they considered for the role before Gary Sinise? I have no idea who. You'll never guess it. <laughs> I bet I won't. I tried to put him in the movie and it don't work. Joe Pesci. 
No. Yes, Joe no, Pesci was that, considered to play that role. He wouldn't even have been age appropriate. <laughs> no, we wouldn't have. Like it, this is like the mid nineties. He wouldn't even have been age appropriate. Uh huh. Uh-huh, That's yeah. crazy. <sighs> Michael crazy. Letty, yeah, no. Michael Letty Williamson as Benjamin Buford Bubba Blue. You know, throughout the filming, they made him wear a lip attachment to make his lips protrude. I, Why? That, uh, because that was, uh, I don't know. Because so Lieutenant Dan could Why would one... they want to make a black person's lips big, look bigger, Steve? I, I mean, I could, I could, I have a guess. I have a guess. Do you have a guess? What is yeah. it? Racism? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just a guess. He wore it. I mean, he agreed to it. So, hey, there's a whole bunch of people that turned down the role. You want to hear who they were? I would love to. David Allen Greer. Okay. Ice Cube. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Dave Chappelle. Wow, that would have been different. <laughs> he was real. He would have been really young back then. Dave, Dave, Mr. Chappelle said that he regretted turning down the role. You know, of course, because it made a good bagillion dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's the only reason. I mean, all due respect to Michael T. Williamson, it's not like Bubba's that great of a part. I mean... Right. Sally Field as inspirational poster quote generator, Mrs. Gump. (laughs) No first name. Nope. Ever. Nope. No identity. Nope. She's just Mom or Mrs. Gump, because... Fuck her. (laughs) That's the way it used to be, and that's how we liked it. No thought past that. You know who Sally Field is. Don't make me. I'll come after you. I'll get you. You ask me who Sally Field is. Oh, boy. I'm in a bad mood. Ask me when I'm drunk or something. I'm going to strap you to a chair and force you to watch Norma Ray. You understand me? <laughs> ah, Haley Joe Osment as Forrest Gump Jr., Aww. his AIDS baby. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> This was his debut feature film role. Yeah, and thankfully he did get better. He did get a little better, and then he grew up to be Little Face from Dick Tracy. (laughs) Oh my god. You don't believe me? Look up his picture. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally him. You're right. Oh, he's fine. I'm sorry. You're dealing with something that most people don't. It's like everything grew but your face. I'm sorry. It's tough enough when you grow up from being a child actor. Yeah, no. Yeah. Peter Dobson is Elvis. But guess what, Steve? What? Someone went uncredited because while Peter Dobson portrays Elvis physically, Kurt Russell did the voice for him. Yeah. Because there's only been one good Elvis, I guess, and that's been Kurt Russell's from 1979 on a TV movie directed by John Carpenter. <laughs> Get me Kurt Russell. <laughs> you know what my favorite part of that movie is? What? Well, they're doing like a, a, a turnaround while Elvis is supposed to be a freeze phrase turnaround. It's like a way before the Matrix kind of thing. But you yeah. can tell it's just him standing still because his arms are wobbling back and forth. It's so funny. I like it. And it's like, oh no, Elvis has had a stroke and he's frozen. He's got <laughs> some sort of disease. I don't remember him dying from this, but I guess so. Elvis? <laughs> Elvis, El- you just kind of El- stopped mid-show, El- Elvis. Elvis, you all right there, buddy? <laughs> There's something wrong with the king. <laughs> Dick Cavett as himself. Dick Cavett was talk show host in the 1970s, and they made him look young for this movie, and they gave him lines. He's the only not horribly CGI'd, uh, mouthed 
It's like <laughs> watching fucking Clutch Cargo, I was just Steve. Say, he's the only he's the only historical like celebrity who isn't Clutch Cargoed in the movie. Anybody that's listening to this who does not understand what we're talking about when we say Clutch Cargo, think of the cartoon from Pulp Fiction right yes, before I, the amazing monologue um, uh, that Christopher Walken gives, or just look up Clutch Cargo on YouTube yeah. and you'll see what we mean. They're too they were too cheap to animate it, so they just had the the actors' mouths mm-hmm. like just talking and like cutouts of the well. Yeah, mm-hmm. Conan O'Brien did the same bit on his show back right. in the day too. Yeah, right. Okay, Sonny Schroyer as Coach Ball Bear Bryant or Paul? Did I say Ball? I don't fucking ball. care. Any? I don't care. Coach, fuck my nuts. I don't <laughs> care, Steve. As Bear Bryant, and you guys might recognize him as Enos from the Dukes of Hazard. Hey, hey. Yay. That, that's fantastic. Also, as Black Panthers, Grandel Bush, Michael Jace, who is now a convicted murderer because oh, he good. shot his wife. That's great. Connor Kelly and Teddy Lane Jr. Music by Alan Silvestri. And he did all the Back to the Future movies and the Marvel movies. Uh-huh. He's, been, he's still working. He's making his money. Cinematographer by Don Burgess. And he also did Cast Away, which is another Zemeckis film. Aquaman, that movie that came out a couple couple years ago, that Steve hasn't seen because he's still boycotting DC movies. How, how's it going at the sit-in, Steve? <laughs> I'm the only one you left. Know? Yeah, I noticed. All these, and also, all these yeah? pricks sub- subscribing to <laughs> HBO Max. What the fuck? Fucking traitors. And the Muppets. Oh. Edited by Arthur Schmidt, Zemeckis Films. Production company, Wendy Feinerman Productions. Distributed by Paramount Pictures. Release date, July 6th. Oh, wow. wow. This movie came out on the 4th of July day weekend? Mm-hmm. Color me surprised, Steve. This fucking propaganda ain't America great, you can do anything horse shit. Came out on 4th of July day weekend? Wow! It was probably just an accident. It was probably, you know, that was the open weekend that they had, so they scheduled it for that, you know. Hollywood doesn't do anything by accident. You're so cynical. It's by committee. Fuck no, I'm not (laughs) cynical. I'm being real. (laughs) I hate the things that produce the things that I like. Don't you believe Explain that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, running time, 142 god-awful insipid minutes. Yeah. Budget, not... $55 million. Adjusted for inflation, $96 million. Box office, $678.2 million. Adjusted for inflation, $1.1 billion. All Your the money. Your sequel. <laughs> I think it was going to call Gump and Company or something like that, that. That's what the second novel was. Yeah, but they never did anything with it. They bought the rights to it. Yeah. And then thankfully no one made it. I want them to make it. I want them to make it with Gump all old. Tom Hanks is sitting there. Nothing is his son's committed suicide. I don't care. I don't care. I want to make him. I want to, I want him to make it. You, and you, I want to stick him in all the stuff that's happened since we ended the film. That's what I want to see. Don't you want to see you, that, Steve? You want to do like the Forrest Gump version of the final act of There Will Be Blood, where he's ah, just like alone exactly in his right, house. That's exactly right, where someone beats him to death with a bowling pin. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want to see Trump put into the falling of the Berlin Wall, where he leans on it and it falls over. I want to see Trump at 9-11. That's what I want. That's what I want. That. What happened to the towers? I want him during the... Yeah. I want him dealing with COVID. I want this dumbass to deal with COVID. How about that? Gump deals with COVID. I want him wearing a MAGA hat. I want him to be... I don't see why I have to wear a mask. I'm all about my rights. I want him to build a wall. I want him to do all of that shit. 
Fuck it. Since conservatives love this movie so much, just give them what they want. Why should I have to pay taxes or money that I earned? <laughs> My money. I don't know how I earned it. <laughs> My friend Lieutenant Dan invested that money for me, and it's mine. <laughs> I want Lieutenant Dan to rob him blind. I want, you know, I just... <laughs> Lieutenant Dan robs him blind. <laughs> Every man okay, for himself, Steve, Can Forrest. we just go into the world of Forrest Gump, please? Look, I there's a you're... feather. Let's chase it. Let's Ooh. chase this feather drift. Let's chase this tired, fucking, pointless metaphor at the beginning oh, that man, begins but, this movie. But doesn't Can it we? make you think? But doesn't it make you think? Like, we're all kind of like that feather, it right, It makes man? me think that the people who made this are hacks. That's, <laughs> what, that's what it makes me think. <laughs> they, they went with the first idea they had. The like, first <laughs> idea they had that doesn't have anything to do with Forrest Gump, really. The implication is is that he's like a like a feather in the wind, <laughs> just going where any going. Where, wherever the wind takes because God or some shit I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's God, maybe it's the devil. I don't really care. If Forrest Gump was really that dumb, this movie would have ended the minute he left home. They would have found his body in a fucking dumpster with no underwear on. <laughs> Boy, that went south real fast. People I mean, take advantage of people who are uh, who are uh, who have, you know, let who are dumb, who are as dumb as Forrest is. He would have been chopped into meat. His organs would have been harvested. Something. <laughs> I mean, he's from Alabama. I'm just saying. He's not a feather in the wind. This movie should have started with someone emptying a chamber pot into the street. <laughs> Or just like tossing his severed head into a dumpster. And then it's his <laughs> severed head narrating the rest of the film. Or him in some South American country picking cocoa beans, getting whipped. Pick them faster, gringo. This is how they make the chocolates that life is like a box of. <laughs> it's white chocolate that you put up your nose. <laughs> they put up your nose. Uh, anyway. Come on, we Steve. Were... Let's chase his feather. Let's we, do it. Let's we were... get... <laughs> Here we go. Let's yeah, you do it. Okay, you, you do Let's, it. We're going. We're going to enter the magical. I've had a lot of Forrest bad Gump. ideas. I've had so many bad ideas on the show, Steve. I listen. Listen. We're going to get through this, okay? <sighs> I know you might not believe it now. I don't. And and it might not actually be true, but it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. But people start. got excited in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest Gump. Oh boy. No, not about Forrest Gump, about me being angry. <laughs> oh, about you being angry. Well, I'm, I'm still excited about that. This is going to be a great show. Oh. I, love, <laughs> I love angry Jason. Mm. I'm just going to huff some glue. You Cause, start. Because okay? it means I don't have to do as much. Um, <laughs> That's right. Okay, so yeah, we start with, yeah, we see the feather floating through the sky and the camera and follows And some tinkly fucking music. Yes, exactly. Thanks, Alan Silvestri. Not tinkly, but lighthearted. Yeah, whimsical, lyrical, like, yeah. And the feather floats around and we follow it as it gets picked up by a gust of wind. And anyway, it ends up falling right at the feet of Forrest Gump, who is sitting there on a park, on a bus bench, like waiting for the bus. And of course, he leans over and picks up the filthy feather off the ground and puts it in mm-hmm. a book that puts it in a book that he later gives to a child because that's Forrest. Mm-hmm. Let me get let me get this filthy feather off the ground. <laughs> I hope it doesn't have any of those gremlins that cause diseases like Bob said. Why doesn't he just eat it? Fuck it. My, He's oh, dumb enough. Been, would you have liked the movie better if he had immediately just popped it into <laughs> his mouth? <laughs> like, all right, I can get behind anyway. this. Anyway. Anyway, so he's this sitting on the... This poor woman makes a bad yeah. decision and decides to sit down on the bus 
uh, bench next to him. Yes. And, and she's trying to read a book. Right. And he's like, I'm going to tell you my entire life story now. Exactly. She's... But first I'm going to offer you some chocolate from this box of chocolates. I am never saying that phrase. I don't want it said in this fucking movie. It is the tritest, most awful thing ever written into a movie. Okay. And everybody knows what phrase you mean. So That's right. Like I don't the, even... It... The signature phrase from this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It involves a box. <laughs> yeah, and chocolates. And not in the fun porno way. <laughs> in the, like, there's a box. <laughs> not a fun box, but a box. No. And, um, yeah, she just kind of ignores him. And then he, then he tells her that saying, and, um... She just doesn't really look at him. He just starts talking about his mama because he's one of those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he, 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 he starts by talking about shoes, and that gets his... He says, you must have... It's those his must first be... pair of shoes. Yeah, he thinks about his first pair of shoes, and, and then we get the first flashback to when he was a kid, and he's getting his, his legs... His magic shoes. Yeah, he's getting his legs fitted for braces because he has... Which aren't uh, shoes. Which aren't <laughs> shoes. They, they include shoes, but they are not They include actually... his regular shoes. Yeah. He should have said my magic legs. Yeah. Like but, Franklin Delano know. Roosevelt had. <laughs> he could run like me. <laughs> anyway, um, we're in a flashback, Steve. Yay. And, yeah, because he, he had a crooked back. Yes. Right? Yes. Strong Supposedly. legs, crooked back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, back mm-hmm. didn't really, really, to look at him, looks completely fine, but crooked mm-hmm. back. Okay. So first things off, not shoes, braces for his legs. Next thing off, hey Steve, who is he named after? <gasps> oh, well, that's kind of a funny story. Um, he's named after Nathan Bedford Forrest, who not only was a general in the Civil War. Guess which side? <laughs> but uh, what else he do? He was also after the Civil War. Um, as Forrest puts it, he started up this club called the mm-hmm. Ku Klux Klan. Oh, why was he named after a clan guy? Well, apparently, according to what Forrest tells us about his mom, she named him Forrest, not for any bad reason, but just to remind us that sometimes people do things that just don't make no sense. And guess what the film did, Steve? Guess what the film did? What did the film did? It morphed into a recreation of our other favorite movie, <gasps> Birth of a Nation. It did. They said, "Here's here, this will be a fun day for Tom Hanks. Let's dress him up in a clan outfit. <laughs> and have him ride a horse so we can create an empty plate that we can then put him in mm-hmm. to Birth of a Nation, one of the most infamously racist movies ever. That'll be fun. So she named him Nathan after Nathan Bedford Forrest. Yes. Because sometimes people do things that make no sense. That's what she says, yes. Well, that's what he says she says, yeah. That's right. Not because she Which admired Forrest. Which means that she did that. No, of course not. Why no. would she ever Why do anything she? to cast her in a negative light in this movie? Exactly. That a southern woman from Alabama would ever name their kid <laughs> after a clan leader. Um, so we just kind of brush that aside, yeah. right? We just yeah, kind of, of brush it aside. How about we just don't put it in the movie at all? Could, how could, about, how yeah. about that? Really, you don't need to explain why he was named anything, really. You could just no. not mention it at all. Right. So we don't have to ask the question, so she's racist. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, is there any way she's not? <laughs> <sighs> anyway, they live in this big fucking house that apparently has been in his mom's family forever, right? Right. Yeah, a really big house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mom is always... She doesn't have dialogue. She has... She says sayings. She says inspirational sayings. You put a quarter in and that's what comes out, right? Yeah, exactly. She's telling him that he's not different from anybody else. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm still... 
You're all right. You're going to be all right. You're doing good. You're doing great. Guys, I'm going to put this out here right now. A lot of what Forrest goes through in the beginning of this movie is typically the black experience in the South. Mm -hmm. You're not different from anybody else. You deserve your own education. He gets picked on like a black person, but it's not a black person. It's a white guy. It is. It is. Yeah. It's a dumb white guy. (laughs) Anyway, she wants him to attend regular school, but he can't attend regular school because his IQ is only 75. Exactly. And they require him to have 80. 75 is severely, severely handicapped. Yeah. Right, Steve? Yes. Uh, Apparently. Like, Never should be left alone handicapped. <laughs> and but she says she wants him to get the same education as as all the other children because he's no different from all the other children. Exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. And um, so, what does mom do? Well, she does this thing where um, she has sex with the principal. It's the principal's idea. Yeah. Well, that's true. He says. It. He says. Uh, you know. Or no. Is it or. Well, he kind of comes he on to her. her. He where's says, Mr. Gump? He, yeah, is there a Mr. Gump? Mrs. Gump. By the way, the principal played by Sam Anderson, one of my favorite character actors. Um, he's gross. Oh, he's... he's oh, he, but, but, yeah. He's really he's good a, at playing gross. He's really good at playing, like, sleazy loser type guys. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so he's like, yeah, is there, is there a Mr. Gump? Mrs. Gump. And, you know, she's like, and, all right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he comes out of their house after we hear them loudly fucking. Uh-huh. Or at least him. Yeah. And, um... And then Force imitates the sounds he makes for in some a, reason. In a, in a delightful bit of comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we see his mom reading to him. Forrest asks what vacation means for in regards to his father. And she says vacation means when someone goes away and never comes back, right? Yeah, which, I mean, that isn't that what it, that's not what it means? <laughs> no, that's not what it means, Steve. Oh. I never said my, my pets went on vacation. My parents never said that. They go on vacation. Oh, okay. Also, does, shouldn't this create some sort of fear of vacation in Forrest later on in his life? <laughs> shouldn't this come back also, could they not think of an actual reason as to why his father is not present? That's, yeah. I mean, maybe the motherfucker is just dead. Like, Yeah, why can't they say that? But um, he says, don't worry, everybody. We were never lonely because my mom rented out rooms to everybody. And people were always coming and going. And, and there was, like, this one time where Elvis is there. Just randomly, Elvis, sure. Elvis uh, sees the kid trying to dance in his leg braces to move around and swing his hips and hips and stuff. And Elvis stole that from this little white kid. You didn't which know that. Which is not true. Elvis stole his act from black performers. <laughs> so it's not it's not strictly speaking historic. This is a double steal, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> they get it wrong First, in two ways. Elvis stole his act from black people, but then they say, no, 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 no. He stole it from a little white kid. Yes. So we can cut the black people completely <laughs> out of the narrative. They didn't even get screwed in this version. They're not a part <laughs> of it at all. <laughs> then they see him walking by a TV and she thinks that he, he's um, is his dancing is obscene and I guess yeah. we're supposed to go, oh, it's Elvis. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> and then so, Forrest yeah. has got to take the bus to school. Yeah, yeah. And all the kids, nobody likes him. Nobody wants him to sit next to him. They're all like, mm. you can't sit here. Uh-huh. What is that reminiscent of, Steve? 
maybe anything I, I mean there might ha, hasn't there correct me if i'm wrong I, there may have been some part of, of american history around this same time period where like was it like like people of a certain skin color couldn't sit on the bus i know it's weird it's i can't that's think not the case here because apparently everyone in the south is discriminatory <laughs> discriminatory against someone who is a little dumb and wears legs braces, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You right. know, yeah. But luckily for Forrest, there's an angel on the bus. There is. There's an angel on the bus because is it that, the Archangel Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, is have, it the apocalypse? Can we end this? <laughs> I have come to bring the Lord's terrible vengeance upon you, Forrest. This uh, one time, I played a trumpet and the world ended. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> um, no, so everybody else, all the other kids on the bus are like, you can't sit here. Mm-hmm. And finally he turns around and there's Jenny, this beautiful little girl. And she's just mm-hmm. staring up at him with this just infinite kindness. And she's like, you can sit here if you want. I'm I'm, I'm really nice for some reason, even though all my peers are the worst little bastards you could imagine. Yeah, apparently every single one of them. And... Uh... She asks if he's stupid. Yes. And he quotes his mama. And what is that one again? Oh, well, what, 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 what? Yeah, what saying is get, this one? Get used to this one because you hear it a few more times. Uh, stupid, mm-hmm. stupid is as stupid does. What? Stupid is as stupid does, Jason. What? How does that apply to the movie? Well, if you do stupid things, you're stupid. So. Oh, but if you don't do stupid things, you're smart. Apparently, that that would be the the implication of that. Yes. And so long as the stupid things that you do in the movie turn out okay in the end, you're technically not doing anything stupid. That, I, I think that could be a reasonable interpretation, yes. Even if you have to wholly fabricate the outcomes of the events in the film to make them positive, when in real life, an individual with a 75 IQ would probably wind up dead in situation after situation. And in point of fact, he's given skills and abilities that he's never had before in order for him to benefit and continue to benefit has nothing to do with the fact that he's dumb it's just that he these things either happen to him (laughs) okay got it i think yeah yeah you you you, yeah you you get it yeah but anyway she and him become best friends yeah and um then we see that in another flashback some bullies throw rocks at him and he tries to run away but his braces are slowing him down and as the kids get closer on their bikes he runs and he breaks out of the braces yes yes he does the braces go flying off his legs and it turns out as forrest says to the still suffering woman sitting on the bench next to him uh Mm -hmm. i can run like the wind blows Mm -hmm. seems a little bit of an exaggeration but you know he can run faster than those kids on bikes yes he can he can outrun bikes that's fast Mm -hmm. and he can run anywhere ever ever since then wherever he wanted to go he'd run right absolutely absolutely what a what boy that's uplifting it's inspirational really yeah and all it took were some bully kids throwing rocks some white kids throwing some rocks at another white kid yep another white kid because they didn't have anything better to do i guess i guess because so far there's been no black kids in alabama (laughs) in the 1950s at all (laughs) at all they didn't even need to put up whites only signs why why there, bother there was no black people apparently <laughs> it, that, that was already the case <laughs> yeah and then we cut to Forrest running up to jenny's house 
And then we find out Icky Gross, why? I guess it doesn't matter. We find out that uh, Jenny's mom is dead and her father is molesting her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And and since Forrest doesn't know the difference between good touch and bad touch, um, he just thinks that Jenny's dad is really loving, right? Yeah, he's a very loving man. It doesn't make make the pit of your stomach go cold, right? No, no. <laughs> it's just, it's. I mean, I I get. It's like, oh, Forrest is simple. He doesn't understand. But it's like, it's kind of a serious thing to drop that in. Like, oh, he mm-hmm. doesn't get it. The worst thing that could happen to a child is happening to his best friend, and he just thinks right. that her dad is just kind of lovey. That's all. And then one day they have to hide in a cornfield while her father is chasing after her. And um, she's like, pray for her to turn into a bird so she can fly away. But she doesn't, not until the end of the movie, (laughs) because it's that kind of script. Um, But uh, he called the police and the police came and and took her to took her away took her to I live guess? with her yeah took her away from her father and she went to live with her grandmother that's that's what happened yeah oh yay what <laughs> yeah that's apparently that's what happened i guess i guess who that called, one who called the police uh according to forrest it was god who assumes that the police gave a shit about this stuff back I know. in the day <laughs> that that might be the most hard to swallow part of the whole movie that like in the 50s in the south uh somebody called the cops to report a case of child abuse and the cops immediately went and got the kid and got mm-hmm. her the fuck out of there <laughs> so let's 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 go this is the beginning of the film we have two main characters that we're following and already i give more of a shit about the character that they are literally badly telling a story about childhood abuse yeah but we're following the goober we're just good things just keep happening oh no it starts out kind of bad oh no it turns into a great thing yay he could run like the wind and the boogie outran those bullies or whatever i don't give a shit anymore meanwhile his best friend i mean can you imagine your best friend is so dumb that they can't <laughs> recognize abuse <laughs> <laughs> Then uh, uh, another day, some bullies in a truck are going to run over Forrest. Yes, that's right. (laughs) They're in a pickup truck with a a bumper sticker for the Confederate flag on it or something. And this is when we jump ahead, and now Forrest is played by Tom Hanks. We we skip ahead to the adult version of the character. And Jenny is played by Robin Wright. Right. She's like, run, Forrest, run. And he runs away from him, and then he runs onto a football field because yep. there are no gates or fences nope he just runs straight through in the middle of a practice mm-hmm. and he zoomed past all the other players on the field probably because he's not wearing football pads or a helmet <laughs> yeah or paying any attention to the rules of the sport right but then the football coach recruits him for the team yeah because uh he one of the local people is like you know oh that's just forrest gump he's a local idiot and the coach is like well but he can run fast so i want him on my football team that's right that's what i want that's all you need and he's so dumb that he when he runs to score a touchdown he just keeps running he when goes, he's finally on the team he goes, but he goes through the tunnel yeah. it sure is great that he was being bullied by those guys in a truck because he got a better 
thing. Meanwhile, his best friend is probably shivering in a corner trying to work through her trauma yep. from being molested by her father. We don't care about her. Fuck that. Football. Mm, football. Football. And guess what, Steve? Guess what? 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 Guess what? 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 This what? guy who couldn't possibly graduate from high school, he gets to go to college on a football scholarship. He does? Yes, he does. Wow, that's so amazing. Well, good for him. We could see him running and, you know, not understanding football rules and running through a band. And... <sighs> yep, sure is great. I'm glad things are working out for him. And now he's like, Forrest is like, we're still in this stupid flashback. And he's like, he found that college was confusing. Of course you found college confusing, you nitwit. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many different buildings. And then he has a flashback about when the U.S. governor, governor government first forced universities to admit black students. And he goes to the University of Alabama and, and he's like, what's going on? And one of the racist onlookers says that the governors are trying to get coons into the university. And what does he say, Steve? He says, when, when my mama finds raccoons on the porch, she just chases them away with a broom. Steve. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. He's from the South. He, I, apparently, he's never heard that term. He's from Alabama. But he's never heard anybody refer to a black person like that. For some reason. He's not, he's not living in a pit. His mom <laughs> wants to make sure that he goes to school. Are you telling me that as a college-age student, he's never heard that term before? Oh, oh, no, no. I'm not telling you that. The- I have a feeling that his mama said, use that word, and then told him raccoons. Because as we've established, she's a fucking racist. Right. Oh, that's, yeah. (laughs) What do you mean, coons, mama? Oh, you know, like raccoons, sweetie. (laughs) And then we see George George Wallace give the governor, you know, the governor of Alabama, he makes a speech against admitting black students. And then we see two black students enter the university, and he notices that one of them dropped a book, which didn't happen. And then he runs to give it back to her. And, uh, yay. What a nice young man. What a nice young man who obviously does not care about the color of people's skin. He was just there to help. You know what? He doesn't see color. That's the thing. He doesn't see color. That's right. And then to remind us all, he tells us that George Wallace was going to run for president and he got shot. But he doesn't die. (sighs) Thank God. (laughs) Why was that scene in there, Steve? Well, I, I think it's there to establish that Forrest wasn't racist, even though he... These was, were actually the first black people in the movie, I think. I think the, I think you're right. Were old newsreel footage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of the integration of the school. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. In fact, this child growing up in Alabama during the 1950s, which everyone knows as the salad years for racism. <laughs> oh, boy. He's yeah. apparently not encountered any black people at all. Nope, but that's why he doesn't have a problem. He's like, it don't matter to me. Mm-hmm. And now another person has joined the first woman on the bus stop bench. We're back in the, I guess, the present. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever year it is. But the first woman uh, gets leaves. <laughs> she's like, I got to go. My bus is here. Bye. But the second woman is down to chat. Yeah. Right, Steve? Oh, yeah. She's like, I remember when Wallace was shot. And Forrest immediately, he's like, oh, I have a captive audience now. What does she look like? She's a white lady. Oh, and the previous lady? She was a black lady. And she didn't want to hear any of this honky story (laughs) about, oh, you know, I was there for the integration of Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, she didn't really. She she, she, (laughs) lived. 
she listened with icy politeness for most of his mm-hmm. story. Yeah. That, you know, she just kept reading her book. Yeah. Yeah, she was mean because she didn't give the white man the attention he I deserved. I know, right? he was telling a story. The least she could have done is paid some attention. Well, that's Come right, on. but now a kindly old woman is like, oh. Tell me more. And, now, and, then, and then he's like, oh, well, Jenny went to an all-girls college. How? We don't know. They're boomers. Money just dropped out of the sky, and they could go to any college they wanted to. And he, <laughs> he would try to visit her any chance he got, and uh, one night... Forrest sees Jenny um, apparently um, getting elaine in a car. <laughs> <laughs> but Forrest doesn't understand what that is, though. No, he doesn't. And if you don't know what I mean by Elaine, go listen to our review of Back to the Future. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. Another Zemeckis move, right? Mm-hmm. Got to be some car and he throws action. open the car door, yep. and he says, Biff. <laughs> <laughs> Get your damn hands off her, Biff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but he, well, what he does instead is he opens the car door and beats the guy to death. Yeah, he, yeah. No, I'm sorry. He starts beating on the guy in the driver's seat. He, he, and the yeah. guy's like, Meh, and he drives away. And Jane gets out of the car. And um, she's really mad, right? Yeah, because he just beat the shit out of her date. And it's Raydig yep. or something. But her, she gets over her ang- anger really fast. And she sneaks her into her dorm room to dry him off. Mm-hmm. And then she says, "Have uh, if he ever dreams about who he's going to be, which is dumb because Forrest doesn't think past that point. No, he doesn't seem <laughs> capable of conceptualizing those sorts of things, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she wants to become a famous singer, and the. And then they both strip to their underwear, and Jenny asks him if he's ever been with a girl. What do you think, Jenny? No. <laughs> and then she takes her top off and and puts Forrest's hand on her naked breast. And for someone with a 75 uh, IQ, this constitutes rape because he can't possibly give informed consent to anything that is happening. <laughs> yes. He gets so excited that apparently he immediately ejaculates <laughs> all over the place. Yes, yes. Thank, uh, thankfully, this song, thankfully, this is pre, yes. this is pre. There's something about Mary, so we are spared the sight of his semen squirting into the air. <laughs> but this is all happening in front of who, Steve? Um, uh, in front of Jenny's roommate, who is trying real hard to look like she's asleep in the next bed. No, no, that's part of that's part of the kink. I'm going to I'm going to uh, molest this mentally challenged man. <laughs> In front of my wide-awake roommate. (laughs) Because I'm Jenny and I have problems. And since it implies that... Okay, so let's take this back. Okay, okay, okay. As Forrest says, he has witnessed her father hugging and kissing her all the time. It's implied maybe that he's actually watched her father molest her. Possibly. And now in front of Forrest. And so now Jenny is molesting Forrest in front of another person. (laughs) Was that intentional or by accident? What do you think, Steve? I am going to guess that it wasn't that it was by accident. Uh-huh. Because I think usually when stuff like that happens in movies, it's just because nobody thought that far ahead, or nobody nobody had any. There was nobody there to pull like Robert Zemeckis aside and go, mm-hmm. "I don't know if you know this." <laughs> <laughs> But this is if now, if people make this connection, that's going to be kind of fucked up. I have a new question. Yeah. Ready? Oh, mm-hmm. 
Why does he have a 75 IQ? He really doesn't need to have one for this movie to work, does he? Well, I mean, I mean, there's, well, there's the, you know, because he's so simple-minded and earnest and, you know, but mm -hmm. I mean, you're, yeah. No, I mean, physically, what is wrong with him? There doesn't seem... That is causing him to be, have a 75 IQ. There doesn't seem to be anything. Right. He doesn't seem to have any kind of syndrome or disorder. No, not at all. There's no story about how he shot out of his mom's vagina so hard that he crashed through a plate glass window and hit a truck as he fell to the street, and that's why he's a little slow. No, no umbilical cord around his neck, nothing like that. Nor does he have any of the other disorders that would no- that normally would also constitute physical changes. For example, someone with Down syndrome has certain physical changes to their appearance right. that coincide with their, you know, with their ab- ability to process um, information and you know remember things. How different would this movie have been if they had chosen someone with Down syndrome to play Forrest Gump? Oh well, I think the problem you had with the scene we just talked about would be a lot more apparent. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, the whole Jenny relationship, whole gen- of course, yeah. would be. Yeah. But instead, he looks like a completely normal person with an unexplained IQ deficit. Yes, exactly. Yes. That is never explained. So we can watch ever. the movie and not feel bad about it. Yeah, it's just Tom Hanks. Yeah, he's Tom Hanks. <laughs> he's just a little slow, that's all. <sighs> oh, but oh, bad things keep happening to Forrest. No. I mean, good things keep happening to Forrest. Because he's made the All-American football team. That's and you know right. what that means, Steve. <gasps> he gets to go to the White House. Yeah, and he gets to meet a CGI monster. <laughs> Who is the president? I mean, John F. Kennedy, right. <laughs> but when he's there, he drinks 15 free Dr. Peppers. Yeah. And he's got to go to the bathroom the whole time. And he tells him while he's shaking JFK's hand, I got to go to the bathroom. And he's like, the, his weird clutch cargo mouth says something and also there's a major gaffe in this there is because jfk's tie changes colors and they never caught it you know they had to work with what they got i mean you know shit and then he fondly reminisces about how both jfk and his brother were shot dead oh isn't that (laughs) anyway that president got shot not by me not by me and then he plays football for five years. And he gets a college degree in stupid. I don't know what he majored in. It's, I'm gonna, Dumb and dumber. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go out on a limb here and say phys ed. Probably. And his mama is so proud. And immediately after the ceremony, a recruiter comes out and asks him if he wants to join the army. And apparently he and does. Yeah, he's like, sure. Okay. He wasn't drafted. No, he easily could have been. Yeah, he could have been. He was from a poorer family, supposedly. Nope. Uh, And so we show him climbing on the bus to go to basic training. And he says it's like the first day of school all over again. Because no one wants to sit with him for unexplained reasons. For no reason. He looks just like everybody else. He doesn't even have the leg braces anymore, so you couldn't even chalk it up to, well, kids are just jerks and they're prejudiced against the different kid. No, he just looks Mm -hmm. like everybody else. And then, but there's a black guy there, mm-hmm. and his name is Bubba. Bubba. And and he asks him if he's ever been on a real shrimping boat, and 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 he should have said yes. And this could have ended this conversation <laughs> because because boy oh boy, Bubba sure likes shrimp. Oh yeah, that's his thing. That's like his thing. Every character needs a thing, and Bubba's thing is that he knows everything about shrimp. 
And then we get a commentary-free history about all of the mothers who have cooked shrimp for white people. Oh, that's right, because Bubba's mother and grandmother, etc., etc., on down the family line have all been cooks, and we get little illustrations of each of them coming out of the kitchen with a big pot of shrimp, and they're always giving it to some rich-looking white people. That's right. That's that's the, the extent of the commentary. Yes. None. <laughs> None. <laughs> Just because you show a thing doesn't mean you have any attitude no. about it. The 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 the, opi- the opinion the movie seems to be taking is this is a thing that happened. <laughs> we don't even explicitly say slave. No, that's right. Because Forrest is too dumb to understand the uh, the uh, concept, and apparently so is Bubba. Apparently, they're just black women serving shrimp to white people. Yeah, racism solved. <laughs> Anyway, the army is great. Yep. Because Forrest loves it. And he, he can follow orders. And he's really, really good about putting his weapon together. And I wish the drill sergeant from fucking Full Metal Jacket was in this. Oh, my God. And him and Bubba become best friends. Yeah. Because um, all Bubba does is talk about shrimp. <laughs> and Forrest is willing to listen to that. And so a bond That's was formed. Right. <laughs> But it's tough on him at nighttime because he misses his molester. I mean, Jenny. Jenny. Uh huh. And one night, a guy throws a porno magazine on him. And guess who's in it? Guess. It's, guess, guess. It's Jenny. Oh my God. Oh my God. And she's wearing a sweater. Yeah, and she got kicked out of college for wearing her college sweater during that porno shoot. Yeah, her college sweater and nothing else. Jenny's buddy. been in college for six years? I get, yeah, I guess. She's still in college? I thought they were. Was the... she going for her? I want to write music PhD, <laughs> and that's why she's still in college. <sighs> she's a super but duper senior. Now she gets to sit and and sing folk songs at a live nude show, right. and he goes to go see her. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, all the guys are like, "Woo, take off your guitar!" <laughs> right? She's singing like, yeah, she's singing like protest songs and stuff. She's and singing Joan Baez. Songs. She's singing uh, "Blowing in the Wind," I think. In this, scene. is it yeah. okay? Yeah. Who cares? Well, yeah. Well, I think Joan Baez sang that one. And and didn't write and it. And he's so stupid that he's like, "Her dream has come yeah. true." Wow, I'm so proud of her. I bet she must be so happy. Mm-hmm. And then one of the guys tries to put money in her shoe and harasses her. And then Forrest rushes up and tries to beat the man to death. Yeah, he does. (laughs) He should not be out in public. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jenny goes crazy and she's like, you stop trying to rescue me when I don't need rescuing. I'm I'm a, a hurt little Robin flirting around this movie and i i say don't try to rescue me when it's very apparent that what they want the audience to feel is that he should rescue her right absolutely strong woman character exactly (laughs) someone needs to pull her out of her inevitable downward spiral and that person is a man and his name is forrest gump that's right (laughs) and then he says he can't help himself because he loves her and jenny says you don't know what love is and i would like to remind jenny you molested this man (laughs) you molested this man (laughs) you should not have said that jenny and he picks her up and throws her off Mm -hmm. the bridge and then they go to a bridge well they do go to the bridge they do go to the bridge yeah and they bring up that bird thing again right 
And Jenny and says, like, "Can I fly off the bridge yeah. you're standing on?" And Forrest does actually seem to get it. Does he? Yeah, because he gives her a look. And how? He, well, be, I don't know. I don't know how, but she, how can he understand the, the the concept of suicide if he doesn't understand racism? Know. Doesn't know what a raccoon is. I'll, apparently, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because the plot requires him to get it at this point. <laughs> because yeah, she's standing there on the like up on the ledge of the bridge, and she says, "Like, I wonder if I could." fly off this bridge and Forrest you know mm-hmm. he doesn't do one of his typical Forrest responses and go like but you can't fly Jenny you know like he, he's actually or or just says okay do it yeah. and pushes her right <laughs> off fly Jenny he said you fly can, he said you can fly you're a liar Jenny she did not fly far <laughs> and then she did not turn into a flying fish when she hit the water not only she turned into more of a log <laughs> a big log with red sap coming out of it not only could did she you not. push her? Did you push? Well, me? I pu- I I, pu- <laughs> I encouraged she wanted to fly, and then they just take him to a home. They just take him to a home, and the movie's over after forty-five minutes. Goodbye, everybody. Um, no, he. Uh, this is so they. Yeah, he. Um, he and Jenny part company again, but before she 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 grab, she jumps on a passing truck. Well, and and but before they they leave, he tells her. He says, you know, they're about to send me to Vietnam. And Jenny mm-hmm. and Jenny goes up to him and says, "Listen, um, if you ever get in trouble over there, it, don't be brave. Don't be yeah. brave. You just run, just run away." And he says, mm-hmm. "And he says, okay, I promise." And then she, I'm going to write to you all the time, even though at this very moment I have no idea where you're going because <laughs> you're jumping on a random truck. You just tell the army what your address is, and I'll write to you. Okay. <laughs> The army gets these letters that just say, Dear Jenny. It's not even in an bridge. envelope. It's not even in an envelope. It's just he just hands the paper like to somebody's like, here's another letter for Jenny. <laughs> this is a picture I drew of Jenny's dad hugging and kissing and they're like, Jesus Christ so, for us. He was such a good father. <laughs> it's a good thing you know how to kill lots of Vietnamese people because otherwise we which we never see him do. That's true. Um and then she's gone. She disappears. Yeah, she's gone. And um, then he goes sees his mama, right? Yeah. They're sitting by a pond. And she says, promise to come back safe. I know you probably shouldn't, <laughs> but this is a fucked up movie. So let's get ready. Ready? <laughs> he goes to Vietnam and him and his best buddy, Bubba. Bubba. They arrive at their camp. And they're playing all the stereotypical music that you associate with a Vietnam movie. It's usually Creedence Clearwater Revival. And and um, they meet Lieutenant Dan, right? And he tells us that Lieutenant Dan has had a relative die in every single American war. Yeah, and we get to see him. Yeah, we get to see him. It's a good thing all... Now, were they all of his... The fathers that die? I, I don't know. I guess. Well, they were all Gary Sinise, so... <laughs> Yeah, so I'm assuming they had a child, went to war, died. That's the only way that works. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dan tells them um, something about staying alive in Vietnam is to keep their socks dry all the time. Right. Always change right? your socks. Whenever we stop, always change your socks. Because that is the biggest cause of death on the front lines, are infected feet. I guess. Sure. I mean, I thought it might be something to do with, like, bullets or... Steve, that... No! This movie told us what it was. It was infected wet feet. Not killing. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Uh... Yeah. 
Um, also, apparently, and, apparently the, the army in Vietnam had limitless supplies of socks. <laughs> like, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan could just be like, I need a thousand more pairs of socks for my men. And they could be just like, here you go. And remember, they're also fighting a group of people that are running around the same jungle with no socks. Yeah, on. so, I mean, so really... We, so, fuck him. So, we're, <laughs> really, we're just pussies. And Americans fuck are this just, movie for pushing that. Yeah. <laughs> Americans are just big pussies. Oh, we need socks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they imply that he has a sixth sense for spotting danger in the jungle. Right, because every once in a while, when they're out on patrol, he'll randomly just tell everybody to stop. So, Steve, since this is a kind of uh, rewriting of our attitudes about things, Uh trying to make people feel better about, well, about, well, particularly one generation about what happened. Yes. um, In Vietnam, turns out Forrest really likes being in Vietnam. He thinks it's kind of pretty. Yeah, he likes. Yeah, he says there's always something to do and somewhere to go. And then it rained for like four months. And that was, you know, he didn't like that, but there was all the different kinds of rain. That was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. You know, and then one night Bubba asked Forrest to go into the shrimping business with him after the war yeah, ends. Yeah, and Forrest was like, mm-hmm. "Sure, okay." And somehow Forrest is writing to Jenny, but she never responds because she's too busy becoming a hippie. Yeah, uh, the counterculture. And then one day, his platoon is under attack. Mm-hmm. It stops raining, and, and then it starts raining bodies. Yeah, and then they start running, and Forrest is the fastest running. That's right. And pretty soon he's all by himself because the others can't keep up. So what does he do? He goes, Bubba! <laughs> <laughs> And he turns back around and he runs back into the woods to try and find Bubba. Yeah, and it isn't enough for him to just find Bubba and run back. What else does he have to do? Well, he doesn't find Bubba at first. He finds other people from his platoon. That's right. That, He's got to save Tex yeah. and Brooklyn and whatever stereotype you want. Cleveland. And Cleveland. Specs. <laughs> and he grabs all of them. Private Joker. And, and he, yeah, and he keeps getting them out and he keeps bringing them to safety. And one of those guys is Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't want any help, right? No, he, he don't want no help. Yeah, and, and he, he carries him away against his will. And um, and he gets shot in the butt. In the buttocks. In the buttocks. But he keeps running, doesn't he? He sure does. And he puts Lieutenant Dan down, and then he goes back for Bubba, because he still hasn't mm. found Bubba. But an airstrike is coming in, because now we're in an action movie. That's right, it's Vietnam. <laughs> it's Vietnam. And he finds Bubba, and he carries him away as the whole jungle explodes behind him, and they get to safety. And then Bubba asks, why did all this have to happen? And then he dies. Yeah, bye, Bubba. Thanks for coming. I was asking myself the same question, Bubba. (laughs) Why does all this have to happen? Why did this movie have to happen? And now we're back in the present day. And there's a new person has joined Forrest on the bus stop bench. And he's and he gets here that Forrest goes to the hospital for treatment and finds himself with Lieutenant Dan, <gasps> who has lost both of his legs. Aww. And they're bed buddies. They're neighbors. And they're bed buddies. And this is the scene that I used to exemplify why I hated this movie six years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And here we go. (laughs) And I don't want to repeat myself, but this pretty much summarizes why this movie doesn't work for me. Steve, do you remember my rant from six years ago? Absolutely I do. I remember it having something to do with Forrest uh, coming back to the bed and offering Lieutenant Dan an ice cream cone that Lieutenant Dan doesn't want. Why? (laughs) Because he's 
going through some very serious trauma. He's really, like the loss of both, the loss of his, of both legs. Of his legs. And, and he's incredibly depressed and he's just kind of laying there mm. not wanting to talk to anybody. And Forrest is like, don't you want your ice cream, Lieutenant Dan? And he's like waving ice it in his cream, face. Ice cream, Lieutenant Dan. Ice cream. <laughs> why, do, why do I hate this scene so much? Well, if I recall from our previous talk about it, it's because mm-hmm. you, you view Forrest's uh, Forrest's response to Lieutenant Dan's obviously being very deeply troubled at that moment. Um, his obvious trauma. His obvious psychologically trauma. and physically. Yeah, and and that it's 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 a very he's obviously in a very dark place for a very le- mm-hmm. for a very legitimate reason. And right. and Forrest responds to that by basically trying to force him to pay attention to a frivolous distraction to say like mm-hmm. you know oh oh forget about losing your legs and your war trauma have some ice cream ice that'll cream. make it all better ice yeah. cream. Ice cream. And that's what this movie kind of represents. Yeah. Horrible shit happens to everybody but Forrest. And Forrest is oblivious to anyone's pain and suffering. We're supposed to be like Forrest. We're supposed to associate mm-hmm. ourselves with Forrest Gump. And in this scene, you know, trauma, fucking, he's lost his legs. He's emotional, yeah. you know. This is probably something that's going to hurt him for a long time. We don't give a shit about that. Ice cream. Don't ice you cream. want your ice cream? <laughs> don't you want your ice cream? America. Don't look into anything that's troubling, America. Ice cream. Just eat the eat ice your cream. Fucking ice cream. <laughs> that was the original title of the film, eat I believe. Eat your fucking ice cream. Tom Hanks in Eat Your Fucking Ice Cream, America. And remember, this is Forrest who lost his very good best friend Bubba no more than maybe a couple of days ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's over it. He's over it. And also... Life goes on. So here here we go. In the hospital... Um, well, one, Forrest gets back a huge stack of letters from Jenny that never made it to the mm-hmm. front lines. Mainly because Aww. they had no address on them. <laughs> they just they, said Jenny. It just, had, <laughs> it just said Jenny on the front. But while he's recovering, Forrest learns how to play ping pong. He does, absolutely. And, for, and he's really good. For, what reason, Steve? I have no idea. Why is idea. he good at ping pong? I think the implication is that when the guy who teaches him to play explains yes. it, he, he, he explains it in a very simplistic way that Forrest is able to absolutely master. He says the secret to the game is never take your eye off mm-hmm. the ball. So Forrest literally never, ever takes his eye off the ball. Right. Point. And... Um... Well, that's great. So his butt heals up and they send him back to the front lines like anyone else in a war. Oh, no, actually, that's not what happens. <sighs> he gets to play ping pong for the rest of the war to entertain the troops. Okay. Remember when Lieutenant Dan pulls Forrest out of his bed and curses him? Yeah. Oh, for... yeah. Oh, yeah. You stole yeah. my destiny. My life doesn't have any meaning now because of He was supposed you. to die with honor in the war and you you, yeah. you made me do this. Ice cream, Lieutenant yeah. Dan. I saved some <laughs> in this bedpan. Ice cream. <laughs> Why are you so upset, Lieutenant Dan? But then then what happens, Steve? What does Forrest get? Oh, well, because he dragged all of his fellow soldiers out of uh, the jungle there that time mm-hmm. in Vietnam, uh, the, they decided to give him the, uh, what's it called? The Medal of Honor. Wow. The highest honor that, a, that an American soldier can receive. So then he flies and meets another president. That's right. And um, then he shows Johnson his ass. Yes, yes. Because Johnson wants to see the war wound. Yeah. He heard that he got shot in the ass, and he's like, I'd like to see that. And then Johnson pulls down his trousers and shows his huge pendulous balls. (laughs) What do you think of that, son? Uh, And now we're in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and there's a protest to happen. A war protest. 
Yeah, people don't like the war, mm-hmm. it turns out. And there's a guy up on stage just talking about the war who's supposed to be, is it Abby Hoffman? I think it's supposed to be Abby Hoffman, yeah. Because he describes him as a guy who likes to use a lot of F-words or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, they push him on stage to talk about Vietnam. Right, Steve? Yeah, he. Uh, but you know what happens? What? Though? Well, Forrest is just about to give his thoughts on Vietnam when a really shifty-looking general <laughs> is right by the stage. Just there at a war protest, dressed like a <laughs> and gest- dress dressed like a general, because this is a fucking <laughs> like, cartoon show. <laughs> and he's like, I don't like this. And he like, you know, does a little sidestep over to the <laughs> sound system. And Those lousy protesters <laughs> don't know what's coming to them. I'll show you. And he, uh, he he pulls all the plugs out of the sound system so nobody can hear what mm-hmm. Forrest says. And all the hippies on the sound crew are like, oh, shit. And, you know, they're, by the time they get the sound back on, Forrest has ended his remarks. And he just, all the, all the no audience one heard actually hears him say is, yeah, nobody heard a word he said except for at the end when he goes, that's all I have to say about that, which is kind of his catchphrase. Mm-hmm. That's that's like his mic drop line. You know, he's like, and I'm done. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. So, Steve, we had, we had yeah, an man. opportunity mm-hmm. to hear what Forrest had to say about his experience in Vietnam. We did. And the writers chose to deny us that. That's right. Like, for a as a kind joke. of funny jokey joke. Because he yeah, says yeah. nothing and then the and the crowd takes that as, oh see he has nothing to say. Wow, yay. And they all start cheering and stuff, right? Yeah. And that's the joke. Yeah. And then and then Jenny's there. And the thing is, I don't think the writers could come up with anything for him to say originally. I think well, okay, if it's Forrest Gump, he's just gonna go up there and he's gonna say that him and his good friend Bubba really enjoyed Vietnam. Um, we really had a good time but then my good friend Bubba died but then I got ice cream and they gave me this medal and that's about all I have to say about that and people it was actually pretty nice we get the audience to cheer for this fucking nitwit speech (laughs) if he remains in character well we give him something more important to say how it's Forrest Gump he doesn't understand basic (laughs) concepts so what is he gonna get up there and recite a fucking Robert Frost poem it's not gonna happen (laughs) it does feel like when when I look at it from the perspective of a writer Uh it feels like it feels like they needed him up on stage for what they wanted to happen next because that's when Jenny shows up Mm -hmm. in the crowd Um, so they wanted him on stage so how does he so why is he on stage well they he's invited up to say something okay what does he say okay well we have no idea what the fuck he says so how do we get out of this <laughs> so that that so and that's what that was that was okay well someone maybe somebody how sabotages about, the sound system and nobody can hear so that's how they get the, out of it to the get question to where they go. why is this scene in here or <laughs> better yet this is the opportunity for the filmmakers to let us know how they feel about vietnam and apparently they don't have any opinion at all apparently not this scene fucking sucks <laughs> From a writer's perspective, they had so many opportunities to build character, to inform us of what the filmmakers want, right? Yeah. They had, and all they did was nothing. Instead, they opted for the nothing, haha, funny joke. Maybe the audience will think it's something deeper than that. What? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they oh, just misinterpret it? You don't think they will, just do Just like you? the fucking dumbass audience in the movie watching his speech will misinterpret <laughs> the silence for something? Uh, 
But yeah, so he's standing up on the stage, and all of a sudden, from this sea of people that are surrounding the, the reflecting pool, which is where they are in, the, in front of the Washington Monument, uh, you just hear somebody yell, Forrest! Uh-huh. And there's Jenny. There's Jenny wading out into the reflecting mm-hmm. pool and waving at him. And of course, Forrest, you know, sees Jenny and just runs right and through the crowd. And he grabs Jenny, hugs her in the reunion. pool, and everybody's like, yeah. yay, except for me, because I this is bad. This is an icky relationship. <laughs> And so she, of course, takes him to a meeting of the Black Panthers, who are yeah. a pro-black defense group that had a lot, of, a lot of influence in the 1960s and 70s, right, Steve? Yeah, but don't mm-hmm. get used to seeing them in this movie. Yeah, because they're not <laughs> like that in this movie. They're not portrayed good at all in this movie, are they, Steve? Well, and 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 in fact, to go back to one of your main. Uh, criticisms about the whole movie in general the this scene that takes place at a black panther meeting is not even centered on any black no who is it centered on it's centered on well forrest and jenny of Mm -hmm. course and jenny's and jenny's boyfriend who is a white guy who is like a like a you know a leftist sort of protester Mm -hmm. guy and also a huge he's a he's a he's a, a liberal leftist yeah, yeah, and he's and he's abusive. And he's abusive to Jenny because Forrest. See, they they introduce each other. I don't even know what his name is, and I can't remember. I, I think it's Wesley or something. And okay, he sees yeah. her hit her in the next room in front of all of these witnesses. Yeah. But the only person to stand up and do anything about it is Forrest. Is Forrest? And what yeah. does Forrest do? He, he beats the Once shit out again, of him like he does all of her other every boyfriends. Every single male that's been associated with Jenny that he witnesses, he attempts to beat to death until someone pulls him off him. None of the Black Panthers do anything. They barely even notice No. Him. No. So Forrest and Jenny leave. Jenny makes a bunch of excuses like, that was a doorknob. But I, I got hit in the face with the doorknob. Is that he doesn't mean it when he hits her. And Forrest yeah. is like... Um, I'd make a better boyfriend instead of that other guy. And uh, she dodges his statement. <laughs> She's like, anyway, <laughs> how do you like Washington, D.C.? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we find out that Jenny's been doing some drugs and living on the streets with her hippie friends. And yeah. this doesn't have a bias against any of those people, right, Steve? No, it seems like the filmmakers are trying to tell us that that is a completely fine way to live, right. and that we shouldn't be making any kind of moral judgments right, exactly. about 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 leftist protesters in the '60s. They were right. perfectly fine. People. And then, uh, yes, of course. And then she's going to go to San Francisco with some friends, and so Forrest yeah. gives her the Medal of Honor, which means nothing, nothing to this imbecile. And um, he's and he's like, "Remember me, because I can't." And <laughs> And then she leaves again. <laughs> she leaves again. So yeah. since they went to college, it seems like they've spent a total, maybe, of three or four hours with with each other. Total. Yeah. yeah. So Forrest thinks he's going back to Vietnam, but he doesn't go back to Vietnam, does he, Steve? No, he doesn't go back to Vietnam. What they do is they he's still got the ping pong thing going. So instead of sending him back to Vietnam, they actually send him to China as a part of the ping pong diplomacy. Yeah, and he's going to yeah. put on shows to inspire the troops with his ping pong. Yeah, his ping pong talent. And he plays in China. And when he gets back, he's a sports star for ping pong. Yeah. He's a ping pong superstar. <laughs> and he's going to endorse ping pong paddles. Right, Steve? Yes, even though he feels a little funny about it because they want him to endorse a paddle that he doesn't actually oh, use. Oh, yeah, because he's got... Um, integrity. Integrity. But his mama doesn't because his mama's like, just take the money, Forrest. God damn it. <laughs> just hold up the paddle and smile. Jesus Christ. 
But now he's going to New York where he's going to be interviewed by, um, you know, Dick Cavett. And guess yeah. who else is on the show, Steve? Well, it just so happens that Dick Cavett's uh, co-host of the week is John Lennon. With a fucked up mouth. <laughs> yes, with a fucked up... Everybody remembers the legendary run of Dick Cavett yeah. shows, that whole week where John Lennon was on with Dick Cavett and, his, and he had the fucked up mouth the whole time. And his mouth around on his face. <laughs> <laughs> John Lennon was doing some drugs at the time too. Uh, I mean, you know. But then he inspires John Lennon to write Imagine. Yes, he in does. In the most He's awkward fucking that. dialogue ever written to try to cram that into a movie. Yeah, it's so it labored. Is... And like I know that I, I know that's the point. Like I know it's intentional, but still it's like, oh, he even ends the last words that John Lennon says are it's easy if you try, Dick. It's like, okay, dude, come on. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I'm not a big fan of John Lennon. People who've listened to this podcast know that I'm not a big fan of John Lennon. He's a big phony, and I don't like him. But now I guess he's not satisfied with taking the credit, you know, <laughs> culturally appropriating the black experience from the 1950s and literally stripping black people completely out of the Elvis narrative. He's now he's now centering on white people <laughs> too because yeah, he's still there's credit for shit that white people did that he wants now. <laughs> he wants Someone all of it. Please stop Forrest Gump before he takes everything away. Please don't let him meet Stanley Cooper. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you should make a movie about Vietnam, Mr. Kubrick. I'll be it. Yeah, he's the inspiration for uh, um, uh, oh, for Private Pile. Pile. Oh my God, for Private Pile. <laughs> and Perfect. anyway, after the interview, we get to see Lieutenant Dan, who's outside, and he's got yeah. Oh, and he's not doing he's got too long good. hair, and he's living in a really cheap apartment, and uh, he gets hookers, yeah. right? <laughs> he's uh, he's he, he's in his Tom Cruise born on the Fourth of July phase. <laughs> And um, he's really angry that the government gave the Medal of Honor to Forrest. Mm-hmm. Don't know the why. The man who saved his life. And, um, you know, the army apparently keeps sending people to try to help Lieutenant Dan. And um, he doesn't believe in heaven. And Forrest is like, you'll get in anyway because I'm an idiot. And um, he asks Forrest <laughs> to get some more liquor for him because it's New Year's Eve, apparently. They shot a New sure. Year's Eve show that wasn't actually shot on New Year's, but fuck it, history, who cares? Who gives a fuck? Um, and Forrest says, tells him that he's going to take his ping pong money and he's going to buy a shrimp boat because he promised Bubba that he was going to do it. And Lieutenant Dan was like, I'm drunk. I have no legs. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever become a shipboat captain, I'll be his first mate, your first mate. And I'm saying it like a joke because I know you're a moron. And, and you'll never remember. And then the women. That's right. And then the women. Yeah, they're back at Lieutenant, mm-hmm. Dan, Lieutenant Dan's place and they have some girls. And Forrest is like, Presu- I wonder yeah. how Jenny is spending New Year's Eve. And then we get a cut to Jenny and she's in a gross place, right? She's like, <laughs> not doing good. Oh, no. She's not doing good at all. Not a happy New mm-hmm. Year for Jenny. And then we're back with Forrest and Lieutenant Dan and one of the women jumps on Forrest and tries to kiss him and he beats her up. <laughs> Yeah. So he pushes her off, and then the other girl who is, who is with Lieutenant Dan, she says, what's wrong with your friend? Is he stupid mm-hmm. or something? And Dan, like, fucking goes off. Yeah, and he tries to be... He's like, don't you ever call him stupid! He, why, where does this defense come from? And he falls out of his wheelchair, and then Forrest apologizes for ruining his New Year's Eve party, and that's the end of that scene. Wow, another character with more shit going on than our main character, who just experiences things. 
that he doesn't appreciate yeah. <laughs> isn't affected by Meanwhile, anything that happens. That the tangential unimportant people in his life are going through some real shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie isn't about them. It's not Lieutenant Dan, it's Forrest Gump. Kind of like Jesus stories. <laughs> like, why do we care about this guy? He just shows up and, you know, I want to know more about that leprosy guy. Ooh, how about the guy with the demons? Yeah. What was the what was <laughs> the fig tree doing before Jesus cursed it? Who cares? <laughs> nope. It's not about them. It's about the perfect guy with no problems who always does the right mm-hmm. thing. But then, uh, Forrest's ping pong skills... He gets goes. He gets to meet another president. Oh, that's oh, that's yes, yes. He he meets uh, Richard Nixon mm. this time, and and you can and they they tell us because when when we hear Forrest telling the story to the person on the park bench for this one, he's just totally over going to the White House and meeting the yeah, president. Yeah, everybody. Like, uh, he's like, yeah. I got to meet the president again. And when he's meeting the you president, know. Nixon tells him that he's going to put him up in a in a hotel, a nice hotel. What? Yeah. As it turns out. Just pure coincidence. It's the Watergate Hotel. And we see Forrest complaining that people are flash with are are complaining about people with flashlights in the room across from his. And so he t- mm-hmm. he got he started the whole Watergate scandal accidentally. Guess what, Steve? It what? wasn't Forrest Gump that did that. It wasn't. No, it was a black guy. <laughs> oh no! Not again! Oops! Not again! Oopsie Daisy! Did we erase another black person from an important historical event? Oh, well. (laughs) And then we show Forrest, and he's playing ping pong, and someone from the Army says, you're all done, you're discharged. Congratulations, you barely served. (laughs) (laughs) You were in Vietnam for like a week, you got shot, you played ping pong for two years. You're out, congratulations. And he immediately runs, and apparently he just runs directly to his mom. Yes. And this is, oh, this is when they want the ping pong products, right? Because there's like all these companies for ping pong products. Uh, and yeah, then that's maybe, when this yeah, yeah. cares when things yeah, happen in yeah. this movie. It doesn't matter. And so he's going to take that money. He's going to go buy a shrimping boat and keep his promise right, to Bubba. He, exactly. He promised Bubba he would buy the fucking boat. And that's what he's going to do. And he goes and he visits Bubba's family. And they say, are you crazy or stupid to do this? And he says, stupid is a stupid does again. And then he he, does. And then guess what? what? (laughs) He says it again in the very next scene. I know he does. But first he visits Bubba's grave to tell Bubba about the new shrimping boat he's bought. Isn't that tender? Doesn't that make you want to? Yeah. But he's not having any luck at shrimping (laughs) because this this person with a 75 IQ knows how to maintain a boat and get it out onto the water and single-handedly drop a shrimping net. But not where the shrimp are. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And then I guess that's the crucial bit of information. Um, he, he someone tells him you need better luck, so you better name that boat. And then uh, Forrest remembers this time on the boat at night when the boat bumped him, and he spontaneously ejaculated in his pants. So he names the boat Jenny. Yes, he does. Because yes, he even does. when I look at the boat, some part of me is sad. <laughs> <laughs> Boat makes me want to cry. We cut to Jenny in California, and she's doing the cocaine at a club. Oh, yeah. And then she's sitting next to a guy doing some heroin. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. And she's all, like, in a a drug daze like we see in all bad dramas. And she's at the edge of her apartment balcony looking down over the streets. And maybe she's going to jump, or maybe she'll turn into a bird and fly away. We don't know, and the movie doesn't care because... (laughs) 
she just oh no she backs off and she sits down and she it, gets she down cries yeah. in a chair and she's like ooh I should have stayed with the mentally challenged man <laughs> but Forrest is still trying to catch shrimp and then one yeah. day Lieutenant Dan's there and yeah. Um, he, he's so excited that he waves and falls off his boat, which to me, again, yep. how is this man alive? How? <laughs> he jumps off the boat and swims over to Lieutenant Dan while the boat continues to apparently turn in the, uh-huh. in the harbor because the next time we see it, it's going in the opposite and direction. And then the boat <laughs> crashes into the dock. <laughs> yeah, and apparently is fine. So Doesn't damage the boat. Lieutenant Dan... So Lieutenant Dan has arrived mm-hmm. to become his first mate. So he's going to be up on the top of the mast, and he's going to be... Why Why a boat with a motor has a mast, I don't know. You can tell me later. Write it down. Why does this boat with an engine have a mast for sails when it doesn't have any? But he's going to be up at the top, and he's uh, going to... There she blows for shrimp? I have no idea what he's doing. I, I get he's Apparently his, his sixth sense that served him so well in Vietnam also <laughs> works for finding shrimp. But it's not working. Force even goes to like a church to pray for shrimp. And they still don't catch anything. And well, no. What happens is there's a really, really bad no, storm. No, we gotta set it up. Oh, okay, okay. The moment okay. Lieutenant Dan asks Forrest where his God is supposed to be, right? Because he's kind of mocking. Oh him. yeah, yeah. Where's your God now? A Forrest? huge storm blows in and traps them out at sea. And once again, because once isn't enough for these writers. Right when we could get some insight into what is going on with Lieutenant Dan. During the storm, he goes up to the top of the boat and he's screaming at somebody, God, or nature, at the the world, as everything whips. He even, um, you know, he's like laughing and this is character. But again, another opportunity for character building for the script to maybe be smarter and more insightful by what Lieutenant Dan is screaming and railing about in the storm. We don't get it, do we? Do we? Oh no, we get we and and what what we hear of Lieutenant Dan screaming is basically just kind of boilerplate, like you know, it's time for us to settle things. Mm-hmm. I guess he he's he's talking to God, I guess. But yeah, he, yeah, the storm is. You just basically see him up on top of the mast, like screaming and waving his hand. And, yeah, um, you know what yeah. storm that was? What storm? Nineteen seventy four is Hurricane Carmen, Ooh. which killed people. Oh, but good, for, but not for but us. Apparently, this is the whole reason for the hurricane was that Dan challenged Forrest's belief in God. <laughs> and God was like, fuck mm-hmm. you, disabled vet. I'm going to teach you a lesson. And a, Actually, it sounds exactly mm-hmm. like the Old, the Old Testament God. I mean, And it turns out that it had destroyed every boat in the region except for the Jenny. The, the SS Jenny. Which was out at sea. All the others have been smashed against the shore. So God not only killed people with this hurricane to answer Lieutenant Dan's thing, but he also caused lots of other people to be unemployed personally and go bankrupt because of Forrest. <laughs> he, he, he ruined dozens of lives mm-hmm. to make a point to Forrest's friend. Yes. And um, we cut to this scene of them catching shrimp, mm-hmm. and then we have Gary Sinise sitting in a, in a fake sunset. <laughs> On the yes. deck of the boat, he says something like, I'm going to be okay, Forrest, or something like that, because he's found yeah. peace, and he then throws himself off the boat. Yep, and swims away. Doesn't swim away. 
It gets caught in the rotor and chewed into pieces. But it's great because now they're the only ones that can supply shrimp and they make tons of money, right? And th- Yeah, exactly. They they profit off of the horrible That's tragedy right. of the hurricane. That's right. And they bind up at buying a fleet of 12 boats. All named Jenny, apparently. And they call it the Bubba Gump. Yeah, all named Jenny. And they call it the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, where you and your family can eat fried seafood shipped from God knows where. <laughs> if you ever want to be okay you know what my kids when they were little they loved that place they loved it and i'm a good father so whenever there was a bubba gum shrimp we'd go and eat there because i mean my kids yeah happy. sure yeah you would choke down I your rage would, oh boy yeah i would <laughs> you would swallow hard and take that step through the door nothing encapsulates better what this movie was really about than the chain of bubblegum shrimp <laughs> company restaurants that spread like a freaking disease across this country. You Now, Steve may or may not know that I'm a big fan of John Steinbeck. Mm-hmm. And um, Monterey has Cannery Row, which is a setting for one of John, John Steinbeck's best novels. And um, it's fun to go down there because, you know, there's touristy stuff, sure. But it's local touristy stuff for Cannery Row. You you don't have a whole bunch of people, where should we go? Cannery Row or Disneyland? I would go because the Monterey Bay Aquarium's (laughs) there where where they filmed parts of Star Trek IV. And so... But Good it was choice. also one of my favorite places. Monterey is a beautiful is yeah. a beautiful city. And then one time I was going there with my kids. We're walking down the main street to get to the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And they had built a Bubba Gump's Shrimp Company restaurant on that street. <laughs> and you knew what they was going said, to happen. They said, let's have lunch there. <laughs> and I had become silent because I think I broke a tooth gritting my teeth so hard. <laughs> And then I saw my kids running up to this bench that they have at the front of every restaurant, which has a, a pair of, of, of shoes that are, that are attached to the front of the bench because, like, force shoes, and you can stick your feet in it, and there's, like, this briefcase right there, and you can, you can get your picture taken, like, Forrest Gump. And, and I started Aww. drifting towards the busiest street I could find because this is not <laughs> happening now. This is not happening now. <laughs> Please, God, not like this. Thank God they grew up and they... Not I'm now. so glad they're older now. <laughs> I'm a good dad. That's what dads you do. You are. A good parent puts themselves after their children, right. not before. If they want to watch Teletubbies, you turn it on and you leave the room. This is different. You have to yeah. go into the nightmare. <laughs> you have you to can't just go be like, in I'll be in the car. And you have to order things that are named after characters from this fucking abortion of a film. And <laughs> you Just give them some money and say, I'll be in the car, kids. You have a good time. <laughs> anyway... Um, so we're back on the bench, and the guy sitting next to Forrest laughs, and he thinks that this is all bullshit, right? Because he can't yeah, he be, doesn't believe he the can't story. possibly be apparently the owner of the massive Bubba Gump Shrimp Company that everyone knows about, I guess. And he just walks away, and the older woman, who has nowhere to go, and no one caring for her. It's been three hours since <laughs> she snuck out of the home. She's late for her medication. She has a daughter yes. that's desperately looking for her. And oh. he, uh, <laughs> she loved his story. And um, she wants, he asks her, do you want to see a picture of Lieutenant Dan? And he shows her a picture of him and Lieutenant Dan on the cover of fucking Fortune magazine. It turns out the story was true. 
Is it been Isn't has it been five hours? How, how long is it's this? It's been about. I think we're in hour Jesus seven of the movie. Fucking Christ! Anyway, <laughs> he hasn't even gone for the run yet, man. We still got a long way to go. Yeah. Oh, and that's when the thing happens. He thinks so. We then cut back to flashback, and then Lieutenant Dan says, "Thank you for giving me my life back." For saving his life. Yeah. Thank, uh-huh. you, thank you for saving my life. Yeah. And, and and everything's good. He's made his peace with God. And then Forrest gets a telephone call that his mommy is sick because it's time for us to feel sad, I guess. And mm-hmm. um, he leaves the company and he apparently runs all the way home. <laughs> all the way home, yep. And she's dying in bed. Of what? Movie. And so... <laughs> She comforts comforts for us that death is just another part of life. Put that on the poster with a cat on it. We're good. And um, <laughs> and he's like, "What's my destiny?" And she's like, "When did I become Yoda? Why do I have to tell you that?" <laughs> Kid, I'm dying. I don't know. I got some shit on my mm. mind. Okay? And then we cut back to the bench, and the old woman is crying. Mm-hmm. Um, she had even missed her bus. So she could keep listening to his fantastic story because yeah. she doesn't get anything like this back at the home. And that bus. No, all they do is give her applesauce and tell her <laughs> to shut up. So then Forrest, a millionaire. <laughs> yes, yes. Starts a millionaire. Start, we, the movie desperately wants us to forget this, although it was very yes. important for him to become one. But he starts mowing lawns. Uh-huh. Yeah, for free. And Lieutenant Dan is, is, runs the shrimping business. And he keeps sending Forrest a cut of the money, and mm-hmm. uh, then he also invests in a little company. It doesn't. Oh, it's yeah. What it's 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 some kind of computer company, I think. Yeah. And uh, it's Apple. It's Apple computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now Forrest has all yeah, the money. Yeah, now he has. He wasn't all the money, and he's a goober. <laughs> he dr- wasn't mowing lawns. He wasn't rich enough with the shrimp company. They also had to say, and he was an earlier investor in Apple. So now he's like a jillionaire. Right. So then he gives money to the church and the hospital in Bubba's community and to Bubba's poor family, I guess, which hasn't gotten any money (laughs) at all from this venture. I, I don't know. Yeah, he says he gave he gave Bubba's share in the company to Bubba's uh, mom. But he cuts Greenbow, Alabama's grass for free now. And at night, he jerks off thinking about Jenny, wondering where she is. And then yep. one day, he's cutting grass on his own lawn. And Jenny just shows up, fucks yep. him, and leaves. <laughs> that's That's basically what happens in this sequence. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. She's, why is she there? But, Who yeah. gives a shit? What what happens? Yeah, but, well, the only important thing is procreation at this point. Yeah. Um, and well, and he asks he asks her to marry him, and she she doesn't like say no, but she doesn't say yes. Like she kind of resists, and you know. And I, I think the next the day after that is when she leaves. They, you know, but remember, they also go for a walk, and they, she sees her old house, and she throws rocks at it until she collapses in tears. We don't get any commentary from Forrest about that, do we? I guess she just never liked that house. Sometimes there's not enough rocks. Yeah, yeah there isn't. There isn't enough rocks for you, Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the rocks on. So they Jenny. they do live it. together for a little while. While yeah. he brings her flowers every day, she's trying to read a book called "It's Okay to Have Sex with the Mentally Challenged." <laughs> she buys him a pair of shoes. Um, yeah, running, running shoes. shoes. They they she shows him how to dance. 
and it's the happiest time f- since forever. And then um, he has that, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Do you? Do you? <laughs> love is he beating up any man that comes near you. <laughs> and then she sneaks into his bed. She tells him that she loves him. Then she rapes him. <laughs> Sorry, but... Even with I mean, consent, the man has a 70... Admitted by the movie itself, the man has a 75 IQ. And then she sneaks out into a, cab, a, a taxi. Yep. And she leaves behind the Medal of Honor. And this fucks up Forrest so bad <laughs> that he does what, Steve? <laughs> he, he, he runs back and forth across the United States pretty much nonstop for like the next three years. He just... L- l- leaves the house and starts running yeah he just gets Unlocked, up off the porch and starts lights running. on no servants yep. the, nothing. the richest man in the town the richest man in town he doesn't come back to a house that has been ransacked <laughs> burned to the ground why is my riding lawnmower in my kitchen <laughs> he runs around across town then the whole country right yep yeah he runs he runs oh, the to, county to then the, uh, across alabama the, yeah and then all the way to the to the the the, the west coast and then he turns around and he runs all the way back to the East Coast. Uh, and people start hearing about and, what and, he's doing somehow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, pe- you know, they want to know why. And um, and he just he just feels like it. We don't even know why he's doing it at this point. No. Well, neither does he. He, he even says, like, I just started running. Mm-hmm. And other yeah. people start joining him. They're running with him. And they start treating him like a guru or a life coach. And um, he gives out some stupid fucking advice, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. care anymore. At one point, and he wipes he, his... He accidentally... Yeah. yeah he, he, well, he, he accidentally inspires the Shit Happens bumper sticker mm-hmm. and the, the, the smiley face t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's yeah. good for... I'm, yeah, that's, that's the same as meeting President Kennedy, I guess. Um, doesn't Jenny see him on TV? Sees him on TV, and yeah. She doesn't say out loud, oh, I fucked him up real bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Holy oh, I feel terrible. Shit. This is totally about me, isn't it? Uh, and meanwhile, we see the uh, footage of the assassination of Ronald Reagan in the background. And he gets a letter from Jenny. And she's like, come to Savannah, Georgia and visit her. Um, she's thought about him ever since she fucked crazy into his brain or whatever. <laughs> And he, he's telling... And that brings us up yeah, to... Yeah, it brings yeah. it. And the old lady's like, well, that's right nearby. You didn't have to wait for the bus, stupid. You could have... <laughs> you could have just idiot. walked right over there at the blonde lady that's staring at you through the window. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. No, he runs, and he runs, and yeah. he gets to her place, right? Yeah. And Jenny apologizes, because she needed... She needs to. And, but not, not, <laughs> not for raping him, but for... <laughs> Taking him for granted, right? Yeah. And for leaving, like, without saying anything. Because, and... you know, she should have stayed with him and married him back in the 60s, and everything would have been great and happy. Because everything happens for this dumb fuck. He doesn't have to even <laughs> attempt to do anything. And It just all kind of works and out. And then a woman drops off a little boy. Hmm. And Jenny's Jenny's a mommy. And guess what, Steve? Guess what? Guess what, Steve? What? Guess. Guess it. Well, um, um, uh, 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 the babe, the little kid's name is is Forrest. Yeah. That's a shocking coincidence. Yeah. And Forrest freaks out in the only genuine part of this movie when he asks if 
he's like him. If the kid is like him, is the yeah, is he smart the or is he? Only bit of self awareness and character development we get in this movie is that brief scene. And she's like, "Oh no, he's smart. He's real smart. He's so smart. He's smarter than you at this point. <laughs> he's way smarter than you ever will be mm-hmm. at age five. And then they go sit in the next room and they watch Sesame Street together. Oh, it's nice. That's nice. And then Jenny tells Forrest that she's sick with something. Some yeah, kind a of virus. virus. The doctors don't understand and can't they can't fix. They can't fix yeah. it. And this this is and this is the early eighties. This by is the, way. the early eighties. So, so we all have to mis- I- yeah. expect that she has the AIDS. The AIDS. Yep. Some people made the movie said, No, no, it's Hep C and we're kind of like, No, no, you would have said Hep C no. instead you were too <laughs> cowardly to say AIDS in your fucking movie and also because it don't make a whole lot of sense. So let's let's go backwards just a tiny bit. Three years prior, when they were having sex. Now, that mm-hmm. either means that when she had sex with Forrest, she had AIDS. Yes. Or after or she takes the taxi away from, from Forrest, she had sex with other people or started jamming needles she found in the street directly into her arms to get the AIDS. But either yes, way, yes. or this one's even better, after she gave birth to the baby, she got the AIDS by doing those things. Right, Steve? And and I think that third one is what we are... I, I mean, I don't know if the, if the filmmakers even thought it through that far, but I think... Because the kid doesn't seem to be suffering from any sort he of ain't no health AIDS problems baby. at all. No, he doesn't seem like an AIDS baby. So, yeah, I think what must have happened was after she gave birth, mm-hmm. she went and she, she contracted AIDS somehow. She went on a crazy so. rampage and just did every intravenous, <laughs> intravenous drug she could. And I mean, people people, people did contract AIDS in ways other than going on crazy, like, drug-fueled sex rampages. Also, but. because they haven't been treating the Jenny character all that well, it implies in her character that the only reason she's telling Forrest about his son is because she going to yeah. die soon and she needs someone to right. take care of her and, and be with the baby. Is the baby ever tested to see if Forrest is the father? Nope. <laughs> oh. But she comes back to Greenbow and then they get married, yeah. right? And guess, Aww, who sh- yeah. guess who shows up with magic legs? <gasps> it's Lieutenant Dan. And he's marrying a Vietnamese girl. Yeah, you know, to tie up that loose end about his hatred for the Vietnamese that wasn't present in the movie at all. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> but I guess is well, they... supposed to be. T- oh gosh, they had. Well, I think they just had to toss another cliche in there for old Lieutenant Dan. Uh huh. Anyway, um, Forrest is bringing breakfast to her, and she looks real sick, and she asks Forrest if he was ever scared in Vietnam, and then he, he just talks about the nice parts, like most Vietnam veterans. Yeah, everybody loves those Vietnam stories. <sighs> About the beautiful sunsets. We're almost... We've been doing this two hours. Come on, dude. Yeah. We, she's almost, almost dead. Done, Let's though. get her we're in the ground done. and She's leave. almost dead. We're, we're, we're... Get her in the fucking ground. That's what you say when you're in the theater watching the movie the first time. Come on, we know where this is going. Just put her in the ground and let me go home. So she dies. He bulldozes yeah. her old house while she's dead instead yes. of, hey, I want to show you something. Yeah, before you die, I thought you might like to see this. Then Forrest stands at the grave 
Um, and he tells her the son's not an AIDS baby and everybody's fine and he's taking really good care of her and he misses her or something and he gets all weepy sad. Yeah. Yeah. And um, F- Forrest Jr., that's right, Forrest Jr., because right. we needed two of them, has written a letter but he doesn't want his dad to read it and he just leaves the letter and then as he's walking away, this tree has a bunch of birds in it and they fly away. Get it? Do you get it, you Sim- dumb audience? <laughs> Symbolism. And now Forrest waits at the bus with his son, and he sees that he's reading that book. And uh, before he can get on the bus, Forrest says, I love you. And apparently it's the same bus driver from f- yeah. 35 years ago, and she hasn't From when aged. he was a kid. I think it's Miss Frizzle uh, from the Magic School Bus. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the only explanation. Come on, kids, we're going to investigate mental disorders. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, the kid leaves, the bus, drive, the bus is driving away, Forrest is all by himself sitting on uh, sitting on that bench that apparently they put out there for him. Um, he loves benches. And it pans down to his feet where that white feather that was in the book blows up into the wind and flies away. And I have to start doing therapy again. Aww. Steve? Yeah, yeah, Jason. Yes, my friend. My good, dear friend. Not to give away any spoilers, people. Steve said something before we started recording that chilled me Uh to the very core of my being and made me rethink my life choices. And I'm going to let Steve explain it, because he didn't want to tell me outright beforehand. He didn't want to waste the precious gold or steaming poison he's dribbling into my ear, (laughs) a la Hamlet. (laughs) <laughs> Steve, yeah, tell man. me how you, you... Now, you need to physically gesture to me so I can take the headphones off at the right time. Tell me how you feel <laughs> about this classic film, Forrest Gump. Oh, my God. Um. Okay, so here's the thing, right? <laughs> All your worst sentences start with, here's the thing. <laughs> they do. They do. Here's the thing. Mom's going to die. <laughs> Uh, no, um... <laughs> Here, you'd be a terrible doctor. Here's the thing. It's not a mole. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's not operable. Um... Here's the thing. Mom and Dad hate each other. <laughs> Here's the thing. They did actually say it was your fault. <laughs> um... Here's the thing. She's buried in the backyard. <laughs> uh... Uh... <laughs> A, a reference to something the audience doesn't even know about. Nope. Um, okay, so anyway, so my, my, my opinion of this movie has swung back and forth over the years more times. Than, I, I don't know if I can say absolutely more times than any other movie I've ever seen, but it's the one I can think of that where my opinion has swung wildly back and forth the most times. When I first saw it as a teenager, and in my defense, I was 14, I thought it was great. I really loved it. Um, then I became a more cynical young adult, and I came to resent it for its sentimentality and its emotional manipulation, and I didn't like the fact that it won Best Picture instead of Pulp Fiction, which I'm still sore about, mm. Pulp Fiction is a better movie in every every conceivable way, but but now here's the where's thing. their theme restaurant. There was <laughs> exactly where I want to be able to go to uh, uh, 
Jack, Jack Rabbit, Rabbit Slims. Slims, baby. Come on. Give me my buddy Holly Wader, for Christ's <laughs> sake. And have him be just as disinterested and, and upset. <laughs> yeah. Have it be Steve Buscemi, please. It's it. Hi, I'm Buddy. He <laughs> <laughs> makes no effort to be in character at all. Um, anyway, so here's the thing. I watched it this time to prepare for this, and I know that this is hurtful for you to hear, but I did kind of like it. Um, and there, I know, I know. Listen, we can get through this. We can get through this. Um, I don't think it's perfect. I think there's a lot wrong with it, which I am going to talk about. But when the movie is over, I this time, I was not sorry I watched it. And I felt like overall that it was time well spent. Um, watching it this time, I noticed that the movie seemed to be operating on two levels. And the first level, the literal level, the, the story of Forrest and his friends and his love for Jenny that endures across decades, um, that is the part that works for me. Forrest, taken at face value, is a simple, kind-hearted, just honest, loyal person who does the best he can with what he has. And while he doesn't often register it, he lives through a lot of tragedy in his life. Nearly everyone he loves in the film dies. At the end, he's left only with his son and his huge pile of money. Um, Lieutenant Dan is still alive and seems to be doing okay, but we aren't left with the impression that him and Lieutenant Dan are going to be hanging out anytime soon. Um, and so Forrest, like for all of his adventures and all of his like incredible exploits, ends up living as a single parent in his mother's old house in rural Alabama. And yes, he's happy and very rich, but there's still a kind of a poignancy to that that just really hit me watching it this time around. Now, here's the thing though. There is another level on which I perceive the film operating and that I think is the level that you have the biggest problem with. And it's also the level that I have the biggest problem with. And that that's the level of where the uh, where I, I in my notes I, I say it's the level of cultural commentary, but I think you're right. It doesn't really it doesn't really attempt commentary. It's like the level where the commentary would be if the film had anything to say, right? Mm. And and that's and that's where the film doesn't work very well um, or at, at least where the film isn't nearly as sympathetic to me because if you look at it from this perspective then Forrest Gump is a stand-in for the baby boomers mm-hmm. um, he represents them and they're the people that came that, that were born post-World War II they lived through and some of them participated in the civil rights movement in Vietnam and all these seminal events in American history and then they matured and settled down in the 1980s and according to Forrest Gump the film this generation of people the boomers they weren't perfect they made some mistakes but hey their hearts were in the right place they did a lot of good and really they were just making do with what they had to work with and the movie shows us moments of like really great historical importance and places forest in the context of things like the civil rights movement like vietnam the birth of rock and roll political violence but it never really engages with any of that all that deeply. Forrest, because of the nature of his character, barely seems to notice any of that stuff. He's not worried about what's happening in the world beyond his own life. He's worried about himself and his people, and that's it. And he doesn't wish any harm on anybody else necessarily, except for Jenny's boyfriend. Um, and he helps out when he can or when he's made aware that there's like something he can do, but he doesn't engage with his culture in any way that is self-aware or meaningful. And, and I think this is the key to why this bit doesn't work, the movie movie is telling us that that is perfectly fine. That Forrest shouldn't have to actually care about why those people are protesting, or why it's important that the school is being desegregated, or any of the other things that he experiences. It's enough that he's a nice guy, and he's doing his best, so we should just have a chuckle when he does something funny, and otherwise let him be. Um, you you, you quote, or you s- describe the, um, the ice cream scene as sort of your moment that encapsulates what's wrong with the movie. For me, that moment is the water 
Watergate scene because, as we discussed already, Forrest calls security or whoever to report the Watergate burglary, but he's not, he doesn't even realize he's reporting a burglary. All he's doing is complaining that he can't sleep because of the flashlights. He doesn't know what they're doing, he doesn't care, he just wants to sleep. So he has an effect on history, but he never knowingly or intentionally uh, means to have an effect. And therefore, the film would have us believe that he can't be blamed for it. He didn't do anything wrong. He was just being Forrest, right? So that, and, and when, when you take that as a metaphor for the baby boom generation, it really, really feels intentionally or not. And I kind of think this part might be a little intentional or, or at least it was, it was an unavoidable part of the nostalgia that they were trafficking in that they were okay with, even if they weren't intending that to be the primary message of the film. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like a lot of it is about letting baby boomers off the hook. You know, we can look back at all of the, at, at the bad things that happened in the 60s and 70s. We can look at the bad things that baby boomers were responsible for in the 80s and, and, and even going into the 90s when this film was made. And certainly we can see the effects of that now, you know, 30 years later. Um, but the film is about saying, hey, come on, give them a break. They were mostly good people. They were just trying to live their lives, doing their best. It's trying to get us to sympathize with them and just, you know what, don't 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 be too mad at him, okay? Don't be too mad at him. Um, and, I, and that's a problem for me. Watching this time, I also noticed that there is a really noticeable disconnect between the scenes where Forrest is inserted into historical footage and the rest of the film. Um, the special effects still hold up okay, I mean, for what they are. There are some minor issues with, like, matching the camera movement and the color grading when they insert Forrest into the historical footage. Um, but the real problem with those scenes is that they serve the gimmick rather than the story. They're there because I assume that was part of the concept of the movie from the beginning. I assume Zemeckis, part of what attracted him to the project was this opportunity to use special effects to insert their main character into historical events. So that was something that seems to have been baked into the movie from the beginning, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But those scenes and the scenes of Forrest just on his own, sort of the, the, the completely original material in the movie, they don't always fit together. And especially when, when and, and that, that carries over not just into the special effects scenes, but like during the run, when uh, for some reason we need to see him inspiring a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. You know, it's like, it's like they couldn't think of any historical events for him to intersect with during the run. So they were just like, what if he just inspires some meaningless bits of pop culture? And it just feels like, all right, they, okay, fine. Like they just, they, they, they came up with a gimmick and they wanted to commit to it. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really serve the story. Um, having said all that, and I hate to twist the knife in you, my friend, but having said all that, I, I did, I did like the movie. Um, I think it works on that first level. And yes, it is manipulative, and yes, it is sentimental, um, and maybe I'm getting sappy in my old age, but I didn't really mind that so much this time. Uh, the performances, I think, are very strong, and I've always thought the performances in the movie were very good. Um, I think Tom Hanks gives a genuinely terrific performance. I think it's a lot of people like to sort of undersell what he does in the movie by saying he's just doing a funny voice and just playing a dumb guy. Um, he really breathes life into this character with his body language and his facial expression, his eyes and because it's Tom Hanks his comic timing is absolutely spot on there are moments in this in this movie that got a laugh from me purely because of Tom Hanks's timing the line itself as written was not that funny but Tom Hanks makes it funny um the supporting cast I think is great Robin Wright has so little to work with as Jenny but she manages to give that character something like a sense of aimlessness or tragedy that lifts her above the material a little bit and the same thing for Gary Sinise uh, I, I mentioned this a couple times during the summary Gary Sinise playing Lieutenant 
Lieutenant Dan, that character is almost nothing but a bag of cliches. Like there is, there's nothing but cliche in that character. But Gary Sinise somehow manages to elevate that character through his performance and, and give a performance and create a character that is better than the material gives us. Um, so it's not a perfect film. I will also say it's too long. That's like my favorite, you know, complaint in these in these reviews. We know like we don't care about long. the length, blah. <laughs> but you it, will destroy really good movies because they're too long. We but, get it, but it, it is too long. But, but apparently long. this one wasn't it too is. long enough for you to go, I hate it. It is too long, but not so long that it like ruins it for me. Um, and, and as I said, if you look at what it's trying to say, or at least at what you can infer about what it's saying, uh, it, it is very problematic because I don't think it is... It is I, and, and it's like satirically it's just toothless like there's nothing to it um, and there were plenty of opportunities for it to have something more substantive to say and it just and it just isn't interested and that's disappointing um, but if you look at it on that first level and you look at it just as a fable about a guy who's sort of floating through the world and trying to find his place and trying to hold on to love um, and the importance of you know just going out there and, and doing your best to figure out what life has in store for you I think I, th- I think it works pretty well um, so that's all I'm going to say about that you see what i did there you're dead to me i did (laughs) yes i did the thing from the movie how dare you what are you doing what are you doing okay i'm gonna do mine you shut up you just be quiet (laughs) i won't i won't say a fucking word i I bit my tongue when you gave your wishy-washy it's good except for this mountain of bad i still liked it because it got me in the fifis all right okay go ahead go ahead ahead. unlike steve whose like or dislike wavers dramatically as he ages. From the moment I've seen this movie, it has been my North Star of hate. I have not... If anything, as this movie continues to age, I have, through watching it inadvertently because it's playing at my parents' house or whatever, I have just found more and more to despise about this movie. Now, the positives. Yes, the performance is great. Performances are really well done. They're, they're, you're right. Gary Sinise, his character is nothing but cliches. Nothing yeah. but cliches. I, I think his performance is great, but it doesn't invalidate the fact that his character is nothing but cliches. If he had been act, if it had been acting badder, maybe more people would have noticed that it was nothing but cliches. So, how much to unpack this time around for this movie? <laughs> My initial reaction is is that this is a baby boomer apologetics film, much like Steve had mentioned that this was an excuse for white baby boomers, a specific crowd of white baby boomers, as a pass. One of the things that people get wrong about the 1960s is that all baby boomers were hippies and that all baby boomers did these things. They didn't. There were plenty of baby boomers that lived comfortably in the middle class and didn't get involved in any of the movements that were, you know, that were popping up during the 1960s and 1970s. They didn't protest the war. They didn't drop out and take drugs and become flower children in the 1960s they just live their lives comfortably this movie is for them because it doesn't like any of those things this is an extraordinarily conservative film and it has very specific things to say about people who are protesting the war people (laughs) the black panthers just about anything this is their version of that where they just kind of drifted through that entire period of time and wound up on the other side rich and conservative they didn't participate they didn't engage. This is a problem for them. 
whenever they have any sudden twinges of guilt when they lie to their children about how they actually did go to protests or whatever so that they can feel like they actually accomplished something, that something happened while they went through it. This kind of, you know, feather-in-the-breeze metaphor that they've drummed up for this. But that's just the one thing. The appropriation of, of black themes, right? As we've mentioned before, there are no black people growing up in Alabama, I guess. Didn't see any? No. But we certainly did steal stuff from what would typically be a black experience growing up in Alabama in the 1950s. Except he had to have magic legs. And that's what made him different. He was a white kid, and apparently if you have anything different, they just heap abuse on you. And also he was dumb, so he couldn't get into school. But they get to use the same phrases that they normally would use for black people. I can't get engaged in this movie. Not just because of that, but because there's nothing to engage with. It's nostalgia porn. And it's the worst kind. Made up nostalgia porn. Where they took real historic events, and they put their main character in it, and they went, huh, remember that? Remember that when that happened? Yeah, look, he's in there too, huh? Get it? Remember remember President Kennedy? Yeah, that's great. I hate it. I hate it. It's a pointless, meandering, stupid movie following a pointless, meandering, stupid character who just lucks into all of this shit, right? How can I be engaged with Forrest Gump? You know what Forrest Gump is? It's a dog movie. Dog, separated from his family, encounters a series of misadventures, none of which are the dogs creating because it's a fucking dog. And the dog has to travel back to a family or back to a farm and he's lost in the forest and he makes friends with a fucking bear and he meets a hobo and then he finds this nice house and then he gets all washed up and he almost gets caught by the pound but doesn't and he escapes and he just gets home. That's Forrest Gump. We like the dog because we can put ourselves into the dog. We can anthropomorphize the dog. This is the first example of anthropomorphizing a person where you go, ah, I'm anthropomorphizing this dumb guy. If they and it is a fable. It's just a it's just a fable. In real life, he would have been sent to a home sometime in the 1950s because he's slow. More than likely, some sort of institution where he'd be given drugs. And if he's lucky, he's not experimented upon by the U.S. government for some sort of drug test or whatever. And maybe he'd get some sort of simple job sweeping up at a grocery store where he has to check in with someone and a bus comes to take him back to his home. People as dumb as Forrest Gump is portrayed in the movie get taken advantage of if they're, if they're out the real world. They don't luck through life and wind up as billionaires. But it's a fable. It's okay. We can. It just makes me feel good. I like feeling good. My, I like the feelings. So, yeah, I don't want to think about a movie. I just want it to bore straight through my brain and into the seat behind me and then I leave and I feel good because he had an AIDS baby and he loves the baby and he's still rich and everything's great but for me watching the film I have this weird thing where I go why why did that happen why is this like this why is this character doing this now why is Jenny sidelined why is why is us following Forrest so important and when I start asking why I'm not asking the movie why I'm not asking how is this world like this so that he can do this I'm asking the writers and the directors and the producers why this was like this Eventually, you get to a correct answer as you go through. Well, we were trying to put a thing that was saying there was no point to this movie. There was none. 
they weren't trying to, I don't think they were actively trying to say something. I think they inadvertently said something about themselves because of the way the, the movie turned out, but I don't think there was any intent behind it. But I, if you dig, if you ask the correct question enough times, what you get is, we made a billion dollars off of nostalgia and feel good. It's why his mother never says anything of any terrible importance. Why she's not really a character. She's a thing for us to go, oh, he has a mommy, and she says sage things. She's like a Yoda, except, you know, less fun. (laughs) (laughs) I knew the minute I saw Sally Field at the beginning of the movie, oh, we're going to have to sit through that scene. The scene where Forrest has to ask his mama while she's dying of movie what his destiny or some fucking thing. How does he even know what a destiny is? And that's what's frust- and that is what frustrating. If I can't get involved with the main character because he's designed for you to not get, you know, you're, he's only there for you to get emotionally involved with, but not intellectually involved with. Because if you start asking questions intellectually about Forrest, the character, it starts to expose the movie itself and what the movie itself has co-opted into this narrative of escapism. And one of the things that we should start realizing, especially in this country now, is that escapism of a fabricated past is fucking us over. And that's one of the reasons why I don't think I'm ever going to like this film. It's a pablum. It's it's a salve to conservative Americans who want to remember their pasts differently than what they actually were. Everyone's white and happy. But there was hardship, but if you just if you just keep doing nothing, you'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> he has no say in the things. I mean, I guess the thing is he, he took the money and he bought a shrimp boat. Right? He took yeah. the money. That was something he decided to do. I guess he decided to go to the army on his own. But he's presented as being so stupid that you're like, oh, you made a dumb decision. And, oh, well, it's okay. It turned out all right in the end. Because if you hadn't gone to Vietnam, then you never would have learned to play ping pong. Then you wouldn't have gotten the Congressional Medal of Honor. You wouldn't be able to take that ping pong money and then buy a shrimp boat. And then if God hadn't intervened and killed hundreds of, you know, a dozen people on the thing and destroyed everybody's lives and careers, you wouldn't become a, a, a famous and popular shrimp boat captain. You didn't actually actively do any of those things god did them i hate it i hate it and i hate steve for liking it no i'm just kidding (laughs) i don't care what steve thinks of the movie i've now heard two versions of whether he likes it we'll do it again in another 10 years we'll see we'll just be like and then i'll catch steve on a bad day when he didn't have any cream for his goddamn coffee and he's gonna hate this whole movie (laughs) this fucking bullshit boomer porn piece of shit But for me, my opinion has not changed. It has not mellowed. I have not gone, oh, well, you know, they meant well. I don't know what they meant. There's no, I don't think there's an intentional message, which leaves it open to interpretation. And my interpretation could be right, could be wrong, but my interpretation of this film is that it's bad. It's bad. The two moments where we had chances to be able to discover something deeper about the character, the writers took a shit and just walked off and said, we'll just leave a blank when no one will know. Well, no, we don't need, the audience doesn't need to know. They can make it up in their own head, I guess. I don't know, because that would mean that we actually intend something to happen and besides which we have to keep and he's right the gimmick we got to keep the gimmick in or people forget what the movie's about which is the gimmick about him inspiring people throughout throughout uh, his life like the smile the the smiley face thing on on the t-shirt and and the shit happens which is way early in the timeline So when I watch this movie, I just get frustrated all over again. I just get frustrated all over again because it feels like I'm being talked to like a child. Don't forget what you know about history. 
I know you know a lot about history and what's going on in the United States and stuff like that. No, 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 no. This, it's okay. This is just a fun, happy story that doesn't acknowledge racism, that doesn't acknowledge the problems in the time. We just glance at it for a funny little bit about a meeting somebody. It, it's fine. Pay attention to that. Isn't it funny when force is stupid? I don't know. I guess. What? Why, why do you want me to laugh at this poor stupid man? Thank God nothing really bad happens to him ever in the movie, aside from he apparently goes crazy after his girlfriend leaves. <laughs> and let's discuss Jetty and Ed Forrest. I'm serious. I know you thought it was a haha funny joke, but she literally should not have done what she did with him. Not at all. And it makes the Jenny character, see, at the end of the movie, seem even worse. She only shows up when she really needs help. She fucks him, and then she leaves. <laughs> and that messes his head up so much that he goes running off. The relationship from Forest Side. Ready? The relationship from Forest Side. He falls in love okay. with her when he's six years old, and he, and he is in love with her for the rest of his natural life. To the point in which he is willing to kill other people that have wronged her somehow, right? Thank God they're separated yeah. for most of the film, right? She keeps pushing him away, probably because he has mental health issues. Or just because he has a lower IQ and she can't see herself with a man like that. Because I think technically, I don't think you sh should do that. That That is a... The power balance in that relationship is bad, right? It's bad, yeah. But he remains obsessed and constantly pushing. We should be, I love you, I know what love is. Every time they see each other for the scant three to four hours over a period of 30 years that they actually connect with <laughs> one another. And he keeps pushing for it and pushing for it and pushing for it. I just want to take care of you. I just want to take care of you. And guess what, Steve? He gets rewarded what? for that. He does. He gets to take care of her because she's dying. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess she just accepts it. And it's true love. And, and, and we need to have a normal looking again. If this had been someone with Down syndrome or something that influenced his physical appearance, how much does this movie change? And it's a lot. It's a lot. Since right. we don't get any explanation for his deficits where it comes, where, when it's involved with his mental impairment. Is there a script out there that said that he is someone who has one of these, who has one of these conditions or syndromes? Apparently he's been like this since he was born. But we're not going to do that. We're going to put Tom Hanks in. Okay, that'll be fine. Maybe he has Asperger's. That's more understandable now. I don't even think they knew what that word was back in 1994. No, I don't think that was intended at all, no. It's almost as if someone watched Rain Man and said, you know, the movie would be better if Dustin Hoffman fell in love and fucked somebody in the course of that <laughs> film. So no, I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I don't. I don't. And... I don't want to see it again. And this was a bad idea. And I don't hate don't I don't hate Steve for like liking the movie. Whatever. I don't care, Steve. It's fine. You like whatever you like. You can ignore an entire fucking lakes full of dead fish. But you found the one fish. Oh, I like this one fish. This fish is, is healthy. Good old fish. But there's a lake of rotting fish right next to it. I don't see it. This fish makes me feel good. I like it. Hand me some shrimp. I want to eat that. I want to buy a t-shirt that says I ate a bubble gump. So I'm going to put a, my MAGA hat on and I'm going to go whoopoo. <laughs> so I don't hard. like it's it. A little, it's a little you, hard. You like it. You, oh, you poked the dragon, Steve. What were you thinking? <laughs> so Steve. 
Uh-huh. Since you liked it so much, now you gotta not recommend a movie. That's right, I do. I dare you. Not recommend Pulp Fiction? Fine, fuck it. Find yeah. some other film. Uh, you know what movie I found long and pretentious? <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. I mean, what is the big deal? <laughs> I don't think his dialogue is very good at all, frankly. Nobody talks that way. Uh, no, um, I am go- as foreshadowed earlier. I'm actually going to not recommend a movie with a, a somewhat similar premise. One one of the unfortunate side effects of the success of Forrest Gump, and to a lesser extent, the, the success of Rain Man that had come out several years before, mm-hmm. um, is that Hollywood said, "Ooh, the Oscars like it when actors play mentally challenged characters." Mm-hmm. So Sean Penn was like. I want some of that. I want some of that Oscar. I want some of that Oscar. So, Sean Penn, who, as we mentioned earlier, claims that he was the runner-up for the role to Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. Um, He went and made his own movie with a similar premise where he plays a father with an intellectual disability who's trying to keep custody of his child. Mm -hmm. And it's a a movie from 2001 called I Am Sam. (laughs) And if you think that Forrest Gump is manipulative and treacly, Mm -hmm. buddy, I've got news for you. <laughs> there is a there is a movie called I Am Sam that is basically just like all of the sentimental, like syrupy, mm-hmm. your teeth rottingly sweet, emotionally manipulative, you know, uh, tear jerking stuff in in Forrest Gump. And I Am Sam is just that. It's like they took Forrest Gump and they boiled it down to a simple syrup and they just served it to you in a cup and they said, "Here, drink this." <laughs> it's. The, and it's not good at all. I don't even, I mean, it, it, I don't even think that Sean Penn is that good in it. I mean, I think he he commits to the character, but there's something about seeing an actor who you know does not have an intellectual disability playing a character who has a rather pronounced one that just feels wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Because, you know, and um, because he plays, he, he plays the, 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 uh, the, the disability that his character has a lot more realistically than Tom Hanks does Forrest Gump. Like when Tom Hanks plays Forrest Gump, he just, he has an accent and he's a little slow and he's just kind of funny but he's not playing like as though he's trying to mimic like a person with down syndrome or mm. something like that or, or 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 a person with a brain because that's the safe choice um, yeah it is and it, it, that's that's the choice that would allow the audience to be the most comfortable with this premise and and for purely just for that reason by itself it's a very smart choice because as you say if the movie had shown us a more recognizable form of intellectual disability that Forrest had it would definitely change the way we react to the movie mm-hmm. um for the for the worse. So, but I am Sam just barrels straight ahead with that, and and so there, that's a problem. Uh, it's a problem that uh, it like the the premise of the movie is that the guy should get to keep his daughter because he loves her. But I feel like the movie almost kind of makes a good case that maybe that shouldn't be enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that even like you know yeah he's he loves his kid and of course maybe he should still be a part of her life but is he really the best choice to raise her like mm-hmm. like the movie the movie wants us to think that but then the movie also gives us all these reasons why maybe that's not true so it's kind of confused it's super manipulative and syrupy and, and sentimental and it's not a good movie at all so um, whether you liked or didn't like Forrest Gump I would not recommend that you watch I Am Sam great there you go you know 1994 they had another movie like this you know The Bride of Trump called Nell came out. Oh, that's right. Forgot about came that. Came out too. That was that was Jody Foster trying to go for some of that sweet, sweet I'm playing someone with a mental impairment money. Yep. It was Give me that Oscar. Nineties were lousy with them. Oh. None of them worked. <laughs> <laughs> 
They kept trying, right. though. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that I just did, and it's 1994. And the movie that I'm going to recommend, I'm going to recommend, not not recommend. What am I... See, exactly. I'm still in shock, okay? I fucked you all up. I'm, I'm sorry. It's my fault. I fucked you all up. Whatever. Boy, the Ensign's Lug's going to be great. Anyway... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why are they fighting again? The movie I'm going to recommend is The Hudsucker Proxy. No one's seen Ooh. it. It's one of my favorite uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen movies. It was scripted by Joel and Ethan Cohen and Sam Raimi, and he was, I think, second unit director on the film as well. Um, it's their homage to 1940s movies set in the 1950s, and it has Paul Newman, Tim Robbins, and Jennifer Jason Leigh. It's a visually fantastic movie, and when it first came out, people thought, oh, that's all it has. Well, they were wrong, and they were stupid. And it's still a good movie, and I really like watching watching it a lot. Steve, you like that movie? Good. I Anyways, do. I, I, so I didn't say for you to really answer me. You sack of shit. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> this is exactly how I thought it would go. <laughs> I have to throw in a laugh in there because people start thinking I'm serious and they're like, oh god damn. <laughs> oh man, this this took a turn. <laughs> I kind of like the fucking movie. I show up at the front door. Who said that? What you fucking say? You motherfucker. Hey, Steve, guess what time it is? Oh, it's time for me to make a terrible choice. Oh, I would have chosen three different movies had I known, had I but known. <laughs> but would, instead, punished me. I think I chose a genre that Steve likes. Oh, see, it's just like Forrest Gump. I'm going to, I'm going to fail upwards. Great. Now's the time for Steve to choose the next movie we're going to review. I chose three movies, okay. and they now Steve has to pick blindly. And uh, this time around, we're going to be doing Bad Cops. <gasps> Ooh, I love to hate those. Bad Cops. But some of them are really good movies. And so they're either bad, the bad cop is the main character, or the bad cop is the supporting character, or the bad cops are the plot. Ooh. So Steve, A, B, or okay. C? I'm going to go with A this time. Great, you pick Serpica. We're done. <laughs> Hang up. Are we done? Hang up. Hang up the phone. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Good, Serpico. What? What do you want? More? Okay, let me hop around like the jolly clown for all of you. I'm, Dance. The, I'm the happy jolly movie clown who, Dance, who, who's monkey. going to really ignore what Steve said about. <laughs> <laughs> You picked A, which is Serpico, which is a movie that we probably should have reviewed a long time ago. And I honestly yeah, haven't seen movie. it in a really long time. Me neither. And, okay, but had you picked B, it would have been Training Day. Oh, okay. And had you picked C, it would have been The Bad Lieutenant. <gasps> oh, man. Can't really go wrong with any of those. We could have done The uh, Bad Lieutenant, New Orleans, oh. what Border the Call hell New Orleans. is the movie directed by oh. Werner Herzog, and you're like, what the hell is happening? Oh, oh I love that movie so much. <laughs> But we're not. We're doing Serpico. So if you guys want to get all the jokes and see if Jason has forgiven Steve, then tune in for the next. Go watch it. Go watch Serpico. We're not doing anything anymore. We're just home. We're just home. For the price of one movie in a movie theater, you can see like nine on streaming. So go find Serpico and watch it. And so then you'll understand what happens in the next show. Okay. Whether it's Steve or not. I, mean, I don't know. It might Maybe just Atticus be me pretending to be Steve. What? What did you say? Maybe maybe Atticus will be hosting it next time. Sure. Maybe I'll just not <laughs> want to do it. How about that? I you see where this led, led We're done. This, this moment. Is <laughs> this is the last episode. Don't watch Serpico. You don't have to. 
Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. For late seating, this has been Jason Harding. You can go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. Jason, were you scared in Vietnam? No, I'm scared now. I'm scared now, Steve. I'm, what are you scared of now, man? I'm, I'm scared that this is over. Honestly, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm like, let's erase this show. Let's pretend that we didn't do it. How about that? Is there a movie you want to review instead? I'm, I can suppress like, like nobody's business. Hey, here's an irony. By suppressing yeah. this, let's do Sunshine of <laughs> Spotless Mind. Oh my God! Yes, a movie about forgetting. <laughs> but you know what happens is then eventually we'll be like, let's redo redo Forrest Gump. We'll be exactly. stuck in this endless endless cycle. But maybe, just maybe, I'll catch you out of time when you hate it. Can you the let me know when you hate it? <laughs> and I'll, I'll like I'll call you up like, hey, I'm thinking I'm really hating Forrest Gump right now. You want to re-record that show? Perfect. Be right there, buddy. Hey, boss, I gotta leave. <laughs> Something important's <laughs> happening. No, 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 my friend changed his opinion on a movie. No, Forrest Gump. You like that movie, too? <laughs> I quit. Okay, I gotta turn in some paperwork to you. Have fun. I'm, I'm not, I can't. I cannot. There are some lines that just cannot be crossed. But Steve crossed them. <laughs> I danced right over it. The whole audience is waiting for me to say, no, no, I don't hate Steve. Everything's fine, everybody. Dig what you dig. (laughs) (laughs) And lo, Jason had to face his greatest test, to live by what he says. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should let the audience have to sit on the tension for two weeks. (laughs) I'm not going to do that to them. (laughs) I can't hate that sweet little face. Although he no. is biting his nails like crazy at this point, as if he's just, he's coming for I'm me. I'm just nervous as to what you're gonna. To what you, oh god! Nervous as to what he's gonna do to me after we're, after we're done recording. <laughs> what do you mean my character's killed off in Edson's log? It just happened. I don't know. You're dead, dead though. No, no backsies. <sighs> we changed the title to the loneliest Ensign? What does that? What does that mean? The Ensign who had not a friend. What? <laughs> No, I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I'm just not going to be my perky self. That's all. And it's not his Steve's fault. I don't care what Steve thinks about the stupid movie. This is a reaction to me having him watched the stupid movie again. <laughs> Which was your fault. Which was my fault. This is self-hatred. I hate okay? to victim blame, but I mean... You well, know, you're doing it, buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> we should just end the show. We should just go. We should just go and say we bye, everybody. Salvage what's left of our once wonderful friendship. Let's remember the good times, huh? Like Come on. picking up your grandma's favorite china after you threw it at her fucking head. <laughs> I'm sorry, Grandma. This'll glue. This'll glue. But I'll this always remember fun. this. It'll glue, though. It'll have chips and cracks in it. And every time I'll start to cry when I see them, I can't use this. <laughs> and you're, like, putting it up on the shelf, oblivious. No, it's it'll be fine. fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'll buy you something new shit at Walmart. Just shut up. Stop crying. Just Eat your goddamn turkey. <laughs> you don't want the COVID, do you, Grandma? No, no, please. <laughs> I thought Forrest Gump was a perfectly fine movie. It was really nice. What? 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 <laughs> where, where, where are you going? <laughs> Dishes just start exploding behind her on the wall. <laughs> I'll admit, maybe this is me. Maybe it's just me. Everyone else seems to like this movie, right? Well, everyone not everyone else. fucking movie, just like fucking Titanic and every other thing. Oh, maybe we should redo Titanic. Maybe Steve likes it now. 
Oh no. Okay, we're done. We're done. I, I can't take both. I can't do that. No. That's not. You can't. Your heart. Your heart can't stand that. You can't even take the chance. I'll walk straight into the mental assignment. Try desperate to ex- try desperately to explain what's going on about how alone I feel. <laughs> First he said he liked Forrest Gump, and then he said he liked Titanic, and I don't even know what my life is anymore. <laughs> what's next? Three hundred. <laughs> oh shit! Now you—that's when you know it's a pod person. That's when I know that you're a duplicate. Yeah, that's true. That's when you know it's not even—it's not even me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we're stretching this out to make it three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can vamp for nine more minutes. Let's just—I bet we could. <laughs> I bet we could. I'm really too. good at faking how angry I am at you. <laughs> and it's so much fun. It's okay, guys. I don't. I don't. Seriously, this movie really left me in a bad mood, but it has nothing to do with Steve. I'm glad Steve had a good morning. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) There, see, you found something nice to say. Right. Okay, bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye, everybody. I hope when they make Masters of the Universe, it's so bad. (laughs) You know, you don't have to be. You can be upset, but you don't have to be unkind. I want, I want it to be like a scene from Clockwork Orange where you're just gripping the rail. You're just gripping the things. <laughs> it's a sin! It's a sin! <laughs> I'm going to rip your balls off, Skeletor. <laughs> Why would He-Man say that? I think you should change the theme to just you doing that. That's me going ding ding Is Jason making fun of his own show's theme song? When am I not making fun of my own shows? He's completely checked out. He's like, I don't care, this fucking show. Whatever. Alright. Here we go. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.